or Greg Carrasco. Kick it. So show, get this party on the road. How fast can this light go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guest from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a douse talk. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host, Greg. It is that time of the day, it is that time of the week, Saturday mornings, 8 to 11 a.m., Slacker Nation congregates here on the Carrasco Show, TSN 1050 with my buddy Ken Stapen. We talk about all sorts of different things. First hour, we dedicated to the car industry. Sorry, it's my show, I talk about whatever I want. <laughs> so, that's a good way to start a day, Ken, what do you think? Hey, not bad. Have a happy uh, Saturday, Greg. I don't know if you're a big wrestling guy, but this is a huge weekend for wrestling. It's WrestleMania, April 10th and April 11th, today and tomorrow. Are you going to be tuning in this evening to the biggest pay-per-view event of the year? Mm, no. <laughs> I assume no. that will be Ken. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Technical producer the, um... Ben is a big uh, Hulk fan, big Dwayne the Rock Johnson guy. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, no, I, wrestling is not kind to me. You know, The only time I do any wrestling is got to do with my girlfriend, and I always get my ass kicked, so it's not a good idea. <laughs> I end up getting injured somehow, and that, that's not a good thing. So, uh, But, um, you know, uh, it's been an interesting week. Um, the, the brain damage that I took uh, on an ad that I put on the Toronto Star last weekend, it was far more than I ever thought it was ever going to be. Uh, did you see it last uh, last week in Ken? I, no, I'm not saying that your demographic doesn't read the newspaper, but uh, your demographic doesn't read the newspaper. Um, <laughs> no, I, you didn't I, see that, I, did you? You are correct that I do not get the Saturday edition of the Toronto Star delivered I, to my front door. Yeah, I don't I don't read the newspaper either, but my parents send me all the ads that you're in, so don't worry, I see all of them, Greg. So look, I I have a marketing company, and uh, I know this guy for a very very long time, and. He sent me a bunch of concepts, and for the last few weeks, a lot of people have been getting twisted about my ads. So last weekend, we decided to just do a spoof. So, you know, he says, Greg, everybody thinks you have a big head, so why don't we just blow up your head on the newspaper and say this is the only face you need to remember when buying a car. So, you know, I said, ah, whatever, it doesn't have a price, I'm not offending anybody, people hate me anyways, but dude, dude. <laughs> The brain damage that this created for me this past week is anything that I ah <laughs> oh, dude. If my face is enough to get people that twisted, oh dude, uh, you know, I, I my feelings were hurt. Um, you know, people just uh, get really upset when 
I want to go out there and come up with new ideas. And well, I, I have to tell everybody, you know, sometimes I would put it out in the newspaper, and I mean to instigate, not antagonize, but instigate. You know, just activate. Yeah, stir the pots. I gotcha. Just stir the pot a little bit. Look, I mean, unfortunately, uh, although I do believe that wherever I happen to be working at, we offer the best value proposition, period, uh, because I don't sell cars. I sell an idea, and the idea is the idea of transparency, is, is an idea of clarity, is an idea of fairness for the people that do business with me and the people that work with me. So I, I sell that idea, and uh, I, you know, I'm waving the flag. <laughs> I... I put so many ads out there in social media, on the radio, on YouTube, and so on, that inevitably somebody is going to get upset with me at some point. So <laughs> I, I get it. And because I do so much, I, there is so much production that goes into what I do every single month. And I do it by myself, so it's not like I have a team of people saying, Greg, say this and say that. Most of the stuff is just ad-libbed. And this puts a giant target on my back. But at the end of it all, it comes down to this. My principles are pretty clear. Um, if you've been listening to the show for all these years, you understand that uh, uh, I have nothing but the desire of removing some of the myths that we have in about the car industry, who happens to be a place where you know some awesome people work. Uh, some of the most amazing people in, in my life uh, work in the car industry. And... Um, to all of you that are driving to the office right now, I hope you have an amazing day. I hope you kill it. And um, uh, that I'm thinking of them. So what I do here every Saturday morning is just to exchange ideas and, and maybe provide a little bit of levity when it comes to uh, an industry that is so has been so vilified over the last 100 years. And I'm not saying that the industry has been, uh, you know, not guilty of it, I mean, in, in a certain way, but, uh, you know, certainly... Things have changed, and on that basis, I'm bringing here uh, some of the um, the discussion that could potentially answer some questions for the consumer that are looking at buying a car or selling cars and doing whatever you want to do. Um, if you have a question, concern that has to do with cars, buying cars, selling cars, leasing cars, whatever you want to do with cars, even motorcycles or maybe beards or tattoos or you want to talk about whatever? You call me today. This show is for you. You know, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing with my life. So <laughs> uh, I, I understand that I'm not alone. <laughs> so we're trying to figure this stuff out together. You know, we are in this together. Uh, I may look like I have a better idea, but no, no, I pretend. I do a pretty good job at, at doing that. But, um, you know, this past week has certainly been a, a, a week of reckoning. You know, it's been a week of clarity. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm happy that I'm here this morning sharing all the stuff with you. Uh, you can call us at 416-870-1050 is the number. Again, we are live to you. This is the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. 416-870-1050. And uh, if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. And, folks, don't forget that this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Not only we are the home of the no-commission salespeople, but... Um, uh, we understand that with this new lockdown, and by the way, Ken, uh, I, I'm a little bit confused because uh, this, uh, the lockdown, number 77, um, says that <laughs> everybody should stay home except everybody. Uh, it says that uh, nobody can go out and buy anything unless they want to, 
And uh, nobody can go and buy anything at my store unless they call me first. So I need to understand what is happening. Is, <laughs> does this make any sense to you now? Well, first off, let me just say, I think that the people getting upset about an advertisement of your head is hilarious. It's just like uh, back in the day in GoldenEye when you put on the DK mode and the guy would just have a huge <laughs> head and everybody would be running around. I don't know if you were a big N64 guy. Anyways, I digress. The I'll tell you, I forgot what the different lockdown, like I forget what means what now at this point because basically... I just go to work, I come home. I'm now doing the radio show on Saturday mornings for my own home, so it's like I'm even cutting down the times where I'm into TSN 1050, the actual physical radio station. But last night at the my other job at the brewery, after 8 o'clock, it was absolute mayhem. Like, deliveries were just piling up. We had probably 30 deliveries on the counter at one time. We had people coming from all over the place, East Toronto, West Toronto, Brampton, coming in to buy beer. We had one order where somebody ordered 10 bottles of sparkling wine. That's way too much wine for anything but a fairly sizable gathering. I didn't know you guys sold sparkling wine to begin with. Yeah, we sell it all, man. It's uh, just, just head down there for whatever you need. It's, it's just very clear at this point to me that people are just so fatigued and so done with the flipping flack at, flipping back and forth, flip-flopping, and they're just doing what they want to now at this point. Like, I'm no, walking down you know, Queen you know Street last night, and I just hear parties going uh -huh. on in houses. Like, windows are open, and I'm like, that's a, that's a gathering, that's a gathering, that's a gathering. It just, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's some, a little bit frustrating, but at the same time, so is the way that everything's been going for the last month here. There's been no consistency, so. Oh, no. You know, I, uh, I think the only one that's taken the lockdown seriously is probably me. I have gone into complete seclusion for the last few months. You know, in, in the, uh, what is it, The Dark Knight Returns? Wasn't the last movie when Bane was in it, the, the bad guy? <laughs> oh, what, should, what was that? that movie? Dark Knight Rises? Is that right? Dark Knight Rises, yeah. When uh, <laughs> when um, Batman goes into um, into the prison, you know, in the hole <laughs> with your yeah. broken back and you're just trying to get out of it. Yeah, I, I've gone into seclusion for the last, you know, little while, but I think that I, I, I'm seeing the light. <laughs> so I'm the only one that's taking this lockdown seriously. I've done nothing other than go into the wilderness and just hack my way into a trail. <laughs> um, but you know, I was going to tell you before before we got into that conversation that uh, uh, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and I know that this is a lockdown, folks. I get it. I get it. And you're probably going to say, and I put this on an ad yesterday on Instagram, you know, why is Carrasco trying to sell us cars in the middle of the lockdown? So first I need you to shh, just shh, shh, shh. don't say anything. Don't say anything. You see, for, for some interesting reason, car dealerships has, have been deemed uh, essential services, and uh, look, I, I'm going to do whatever I need to to keep my people employed, to keep them occupied, and to be able to provide the community with a competitive advantage. So for the month of April, what we're doing for you folks, and this is pretty interesting because no one else is doing this, uh, when you come and finance any used vehicle from either one of my two stores, Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, we will give you 0% financing on any used vehicle that you finance through the store. And this is, of course, on approved credit. Second... 
when you finance one of those used cars, not only you're not going to pay any interest on that vehicle, you are also not going to make a payment until 90 days. So I, I think that it's until July. You don't have to make your first payment. And on top of all of this, you can drive it for 30 days or 1,000 kilometers, and you can come back and exchange it. Say, I don't like it. So if you don't like the car that you bought, you can literally come back and say, Greg, I don't like this vehicle. Can I exchange this? And you can exchange it for a vehicle of equal value, or and if you want to buy something more expensive, you can pay the difference, and uh, no questions asked. So I, I couldn't possibly make it any easier. I've removed the entire risk of the used vehicle transaction in the GTA, so 0% financing on used cars, no payments for 90 days, in a 30-day exchange policy, no questions asked. <clears throat> on the other side of the break, folks, we're going to talk about, and this is just to my beloved crew of salespeople. We're going to talk about the responsibilities of a salesperson at a car dealership sales floor. We're going to take a small break and we'll be right back. If you're just tuning in, folks, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show that is mostly not about cars, but, uh, you know, we, we try to keep it mostly or not. Depends on the day. You know, it's a moody situation. You know, sometimes we get phone calls about cars and we, we go on and rants for hours at a time. Uh, you know, I was laughing at the Sean Avery comment earlier. You know, he likes to get under <laughs> people's skins, but nothing gets under people's skins more than a blown up Carrasco head on the Toronto Star. I can tell you, Ken, that twisted people in ways I have never seen before. And, uh, you know, somebody said to me once that he who angers you owns you. <laughs> So a lot of people were owned by that blown up head of Carrasco in the Toronto Star on Saturday. Well, yeah, I guess living rent free would be a way to put it if they're being bothered by you <laughs> and this advertisement. I, personally, I don't understand what people are offended about or why they're getting so upset about a blown up head. It is what it is. I think it's kind of funny, to be honest. Yeah, you know, I, I, the truth is that I, I said something that, you know, got some people upset because I told people that if you're looking to buy a vehicle in the province of Ontario, that this is the only face you need to remember. And I guess that is a bad thing to say because I am in Oakville, so I shouldn't advertise anywhere in Oakville. But you see, I was looking at semantics. I figure if, I, if you live in Oakville, this is the only face you need to remember. But then you can infer from that that if you live anywhere else that you shouldn't. And that's not the truth. But anyways, I mean, we won't do that again. You know, I, I thought about doing the same thing, have the same blowing up head on the ad and just put a duct tape on my mouth and not say anything. I think that people will already know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, um, you know, um, just a big blown up the, face. The show is brought to you by and underneath there's something happening here. Just the same blown-up face, and underneath there's something happening here. That's it. Uh, I should do no. I'm going to put that in the QEW so we get more complaints now. Um, but uh, the show is brought to you by Oakville Infinity, folks, and for <laughs> for the month of April, um, we are also giving you no payments for 90 days. So you lease or you finance any brand new Infinity uh, out of our stores, and um, our non-commission salespeople will put you into a set of wheels for which you don't have to make a payment for the next three months. So now. This is for salespeople. You know, salespeople, if you drive into your dealership this morning, I, I was thinking about you this week, and yesterday myself and, um, and my uh, internet manager, Raj, uh, we sat down and thought, you know, what are the most important 13 things that salespeople need to know uh, 
as their main, their core responsibilities when it comes to uh, your employment. Now, if you don't have a, a job description, shame on you. I think that every dealership should have a job description for every single position within the organization. Then the main reason why you need to have that is because, you know, how do you know that you're doing a good job if you don't have a point of reference? It's silly. Um, you know, if, if, if I succeed at my job, what does that look like? And I think it's an important question that you need to ask your new employers uh, whenever you are signing up and working at a new place, because what you may define as your success may not be the way that they see it. Um, you know, for example, if you if you are an F and I manager and that you carry an average of X number of dollars and uh, you think that you're doing really well because you make a good living and whatnot, but then the company that you're going to work for has an, a, a completely unreasonable high expectation of averages, then you, you're going to have a conflict and that's going to create problems now. So this is strictly related to salespeople. And it's important that, uh, that I make that distinction because I think that, you see, salespeople as well as service advisors are quite possibly, you know, and I don't mean to undermine anybody else that works at, at car dealerships because everybody's job is important, but the reality is this, that if a car is not sold, nothing happens. If a car is not sold, you can't sell service, you can't sell tires, you can't sell parts, you can't sell warranties, insurance, you can't sell anything. So the, the, the number one responsibility, the machine starts when you put a vehicle on the road. That's when it starts. And um, uh, a lot of lack of clarity as to what is expected of a salesperson uh, seems to create a lot of problems. So I'm going to go through a few of them, Ken, and uh, you know, feel free to jump in whenever you want. I know that this is out of your you know, realm of expertise, and I get that, but that's okay. You, know, you can I still jump in because there are many things that, uh, um, that will, they, they, they cross. I mean, you can use it for just about any other industry. Uh, number 13, and this is something so big. <laughs> number 13 is, is something so basic. Uh, so unbelievably basic and often uh, we take it for granted because we feel, feel that it's understood is showing up on your shift on time. This is so basic and so important but also so catastrophic if it's not executed the way that it's supposed to. Let me give you an example. My sales meetings are conducted every single Monday morning. Um, the meetings are generally not about sales. We just discuss broader topics. We discuss, um, you know, concepts that will potentially provide a, a better uh, generalist when it comes to conversation with customers. So we sound more intelligent when we talk to the people. We also understand, you know, we, we, we discuss neurolinguistics. We discuss the, the psychology of sales. We discuss the consumer and, and profiles of, of different, uh, you know, types of customers that we get. And, uh, you know, my sales meetings are non-mandatory and, and everyone knows this. You don't have to show up to the meeting. I'm not going to force you to learn from me or, or at least to listen to what I have to say, even though I've been doing it for a long time and I am more invested in your success than just about anybody else is. So my sales meetings are not mandatory. However, <laughs> if you choose to attend my meetings, you need to be there on time. You have to be there on time because when you don't show up on time, number one, you're irresponsible. You're disrespectful. You don't care about the rest of the group that were there on time and that you are completely undermining everybody that 
did what they were supposed to, getting up on time, getting dressed in time, driving in time, so they show up when they're supposed to be there. And it completely disrespect the yep. entire sales team. And on that basis, people that show up late to the sales meeting should not be allowed in. You should don't just let send them, them in. home. They don't you should just send them home. Uh, honestly. You, you, yeah, you should. And I, and I often do, believe it or not. But, uh, you know, what I do at, you know, on my story is a little bit different. If you are going to show up to the meeting and you are late, you don't qualify for any spiffs. So, uh, spiffs is that, you know, from time to time, if we have sales on Saturday, we, you know, we give people things like a TV or something, right? So they don't qualify for any, uh, sort of spiff if they don't show up on time or they get sent home. Very, very important, not often talked about, very, very annoying from a management standpoint, so don't do it. Don't do it. Number 12, you must enter your customers in the system. When I mean by the system, I'm talking about CT Wizard, I'm talking about 180, I'm, I'm talking about 30, I'm, I'm talking about every single CRM system that is available to you at your store because I can guarantee you that you have a system at your store that will allow you to enter the customers and put some notes. You need to put notes because if whatever, for whatever reason the customer shows up when you're not there, we can go into the customer profile, we can look at what you said, we can look at what promises were made, and we can actually sound intelligent. But you see also, this is to protect yourself. And I'll explain this with number 11. When you check the system to see if the customer belongs to anyone else, if the customer does belong to someone else, pass it along. Don't be selfish. Don't scoop. You know, this is, a, this is a very esoteric term here, Ken. Uh, whenever you take somebody else's customers, we call it scooping. Scooping is a fireable offense. If you're working at a place that tolerates people taking other people's customers, and I will, you know, I will make some distinctions later, you should literally consider working somewhere else because that sort of stuff is not good, especially if you're in a commission environment uh, in which you, you don't work as a team, you work as an individual, and somebody else takes your customer. This is a bad, it's, bad, bad thing. Do we have a phone a, call there, a, Ken? It's a bad play. Yes, we do. Let's go to uh, Baker from yeah, Toronto. Baker from Baker. Toronto. Yeah, great. Baker, you're on the Greg Carrasco Hey, Baker, show. what's happening? Hey, good morning, guys. Everything's happening. It's hard for me to keep track, actually. Um, I was wondering, though, I have a <laughs> How can we help? Um, I was just wondering if you've heard of this problem. I have a friend who's smarter than me, maybe even as smart as you. Um, what he likes to do, he has a business. Oh, boy. And so he buys his vans four years old from a rental company so that there's still one year left on it. So in 2018, I think it was 2018 or so, he buys this 2014 Ford van. It's got 100 and some odd thousand kilometers on it. It just goes over the warranty, like, you know, to 165. And all of a sudden it starts mm -hmm. running just terribly. It's shaking. It's got no power. So he pulls over the side of the road, he opens the hood, and one of his spark plugs is sitting on top of his air filter. It's like, it pops out. So he takes it, he tries to put it back in again, like he's at the side of the road doing what he can. No, it, it doesn't work that way, but anyways, carry on. It popped out again. And so, you know, he's okay. baffled kind of thing. He called me, I said, I've never heard of anything like that. So he goes to the Google machine, he puts in Ford spark plug, and it auto-finishes, spark plug pop-out. Apparently, this has been going on for years and years, and it's a common issue. And when he went to a mechanic shop, the mechanic had like a kit, um, like um, almost like a cold, not a cold weld kit, you know, those the spring coils that you put in uh -huh. to fix like a thread. I've never, ever heard of this problem before. Is it common? And if so, how can like these manufacturers just continually like build machines like that? Like, where's the problem? I don't understand. 
Well, look at it this way. I mean, this is an individual experience or is an anecdote. Also, Google is the absolute worst place to go and look for this sort of thing because I can tell you, Google was designed to tell you or to find whatever it is that you're looking for. So if you're looking for pop-up spark plugs, that's exactly what you will find and that's all you see for the rest of your days, spark plugs popping up. Now, I can tell you this, I have never heard of this. You know, and I'd say that maybe 30 years in the car industry has allowed me to see a vast uh, <laughs> type of situations that I've, uh, you know, that I couldn't possibly describe. I mean, one day somebody showed up at the store and says that the car doesn't start, so we go and look at it, and there's nothing wrong uh, at, at a glance. We put the car up in the hoist, and there was a chunk of the engine missing on the bottom. Oh, there was no, no oil. <laughs> the vehicle was completely seized. The thing exploded oh, in the highway, and the customer didn't notice. So, you know, there are so many things that happen from time to time, but uh, I can tell you one thing, that if you... If you had all the service records and uh, something like that did take place, I can almost guarantee you that the dealership would be able to look after you. The problem that you run into is when you, uh, when you buy rental vehicles that are four years old, that's a long time. Normally rentals come back after six months. So when you buy a four-year-old rental, uh, if you cannot prove that the service was conducted and was conducted at the level of the manufacturer requirements, uh, you're going to be SOL. Uh, that's going to be a problem. So what did he do? Um, he ended up taking it to a mechanic shop, and the mechanic actually had a spark plug replacement kit, and he had like the... You see, and, and that's, that's where the problem lies. Did he take it... Was it a Ford van? It was a Ford van, yeah. But the Ford, they said they wouldn't... Did he take the, it to a Ford warranty. dealership? He took it to a Ford did dealership Did he take it first. to a Ford... Yeah, he went to yeah, a Ford and dealership. And what did they tell him? They said it's 2,000 kilometers over the warranty. Forget it. You're SOL, standard operating level. Sorry, you got to go. And so he just went to a Yeah, and, and so they should have. I mean, they, they, they said exactly what they were supposed to say because he wasn't servicing the vehicle at that store, right? Right. So okay, like so back, you see, you and, and this is something that is very, you know, thank you so much for the phone call, man. I really appreciate it. I, I doubt I'm going to be able to find an answer for you. I've never heard of that before, and uh, but uh, thank you for the lesson because now I can preach, and uh, I hate people hate it when I do this. You see, whenever you establish a relationship with a dealership, you buy the vehicle from this place, you service the vehicle at this place, you drive it for years and years and years, and every three months or 6,000 kilometers, you show up and you see the exact same people looking after you, you develop a relationship. But you also develop something that we call goodwill. What do you think is going to happen if you have 2,000 kilometers after your warranty expires and your spark plug pops out? The dealership is going to say, no problem, come back, we'll look after you. But if they don't know who you are, and the last time you showed up at the store was when you bought the car, and they've never seen you again, then you need to go to the person that has been repairing your car to give you goodwill. And that is not something that happens. But unfortunately, people just don't believe me on this stuff, Ken, and I've been preaching this for years and years, and just people don't, eh, I'll do what I want, dealerships are too expensive, you know, it's more money. When the, the studies have shown that that's not true. It's not true, folks. If you develop a relationship with your selling dealer, the dealership will look after you. At least I will. And I know many, many dealers out there that will look after you when the time comes. But, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I've never heard of that before. You know, the spark plug popping situation. I've never heard of that before. No, that's a, that's a weird one. Let's get back to this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh I don't even know what to say. Maybe the compression, there was something wrong with the compression. Maybe somebody put too much oil and something exploded inside. That doesn't happen. It literally doesn't happen. No, um, it's, it's, but, it's you know, very let's go bizarre. Back to, 
Yeah, let's go back to what I was talking about before in salespeople and some of their responsibilities. And I was saying in number 11 here that if you work for a dealership that allows people to scoop other salespeople, you need to get out of there because uh, it becomes a culture. And then everybody steals everybody's customers. You know, I will never forget, Ken, when I first started selling cars in the 90s, somebody told a customer of mine that I had died. And uh, that I wasn't that I wasn't there anymore, and the customer was super sad. So, they, honestly, that, that's, that's because one I couldn't tactic. speak really well. Maybe that's what you should run your advertisements. <laughs> so, you know, they, uh, they, they sold the car when I wasn't there, and <laughs> they sold the car when I wasn't there, and they booked the appointment on on my day off. So one day I'm in service, and uh, I'm walking, and I see this customer in service, and it's like they had seen a ghost. Like, why are you here? We thought you were dead. I, you know, a lot of people might think I'm joking about this. Is not this is this is a true story. And because I couldn't speak English really well, I couldn't defend myself and I couldn't argue. Now that's what I do best. But you know, time has passed and <laughs> things have changed. Saying that, don't allow yourself to be scooped. That's not a good thing. Don't do it. Check the system before you do anything else with the customer. Make sure that if the customer has sent a lead, they're talking to somebody else. Be respectful. Number ten. If you cannot sell the vehicle during the first visit, you have one responsibility and one responsibility only. Follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up. The statistic is, is, is frightening. They say that over 90% of customers, when they go to a dealership, they get never followed up afterwards. And guess who sells the cars? Whoever follows up. And yeah. on that basis, I don't know why you would allow this situation to happen. Whenever you talk to somebody, you invest time. In an investment, it's an investment if you get a return. If you don't get a return, you are literally wasting your life. You are an information booth. There has got to be a price that needs to be paid for you to do what you do best. And for that, you must follow up. You need to ask the question. You know, do, do you have any more questions? When can you get? When can we get you back in? Uh, you know, I talked to the manager. We have some more money for your trade. And sometimes that does happen. Often it's just a gimmick, but sometimes it does happen. Number nine. Before the customer leaves the store, so you're talking to the customer in the showroom. Before the customer leaves the store, this should be written in stone. You must. Turn over the customer to a manager. You have to touch desk. I'll explain this, folks. You know, a salesperson is talking to a customer. You, you spend two, three hours sometimes. Because our store doesn't have any commission salespeople, customers can literally come in and take their time. They can drive three, four, five cars. It doesn't matter. They're going to get paid anyways. So we are removing the, uh, the concept of pressure sales out of what we do at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. So... At this time, we have given so much information, we're trying to put together a scenario that makes sense for the customer so they can they feel comfortable buying the car. And from time to time, the customer says, okay, I, I got to go. And the salesperson says, okay. And the customer leaves. And we never see them again. And then you spend three or four hours with someone that has all this information, and then they go to another store, and the only thing that happens is that at the other store, the manager got involved. It is irresponsible from the salesperson and the sales manager or they call to not the be attentive bus? to what's happening on the sales floor. What's they call that? it the B-back bus? Is that, is that what it's called? <laughs> 
<laughs> when they turn <laughs> lay down into be bags, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what they call it. <laughs> yeah. But in this case here, it, it is irresponsible for a sales manager not to be watching the sales floor like a guard dog and making sure that every question is answered, that every situation is analyzed, and then you are coming up with scenarios that would benefit the customer, and ultimately they may end up doing business with you. Do not let customers walk out without a turnover. Uh, to a manager. Don't do that. You, you may think that you know everything. You may think you have all the answers, but you do not. A second set of eyes, a second mind is certainly going to help you. Number eight, if you do sell the car, check your deliveries before the customer comes in. This includes accessories. It, it includes add-ons. It includes tires, tints. It includes 3Ms. You need to make sure that that vehicle is ready for your customer when the customer arrives three hours prior. So if your delivery is at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, make sure that at, at 12 o'clock. Now, traditionally, I ask my people to check the vehicle the day before. Um, but if that is not possible, you give yourself a three, four hour window in which you can actually do something. If the vehicle is not ready and not detailed, now we can detail it. If the vehicle is not tinted, we can call the tinting company. If the vehicle is not rust proof, we can get it rust proof. So you see at this point, it's your own quality control and this is going to make sure that you have a standard CSI, a, you know, a top notch CSI. Number seven, follow up with your business manager and make sure the paperwork is done before the customer arrives. This is very, very important. I, I see this all the time in all dealers across the GTA and across the country, if I had to guess, that the customer is here, where's the business manager, where's the paperwork, the paperwork is not done. The paperwork is not done, the licensing is not done. So now we have a car that needs to go, the customer is there, and the licensing is not ready, the plates are not back, the, the guys at the licensing office, because the licensing offices across the GTA are horrible. They are horrible. Ever since they became uh, independent, they, they don't particularly care. They, they will make you wait. And uh, I don't know very many licensing offices that, uh, that do a good job. I don't know of one that does. Uh, and I hope that we can license vehicles at dealerships. And it's going to save us a lot of waiting time and problems because the licensing office often doesn't care about dealerships and customers. So you need to make sure that you talk to your business manager and the paperwork is ready before the customer shows up. Number six, after you deliver the car, after the customer comes back, comes to the dealership and picks up the brand new vehicle, make sure you follow up. Make sure your customer are actually happy. You see, the, most salespeople will deliver the vehicle to the customer. The customer shows up. It's a really big deal. They spend 30, 40, 50, 100,000 dollars on a brand new car. Shake their hands. They never hear from the salesperson again. There is no possibility of referrals, there is no family and friends, there is no possibility of establishing a relationship so the customer actually listens to you and follows you. You see, I've said this for many years now, the car business doesn't belong to hunters anymore. This was back in the 70s and 80s and 90s even, the early 90s, when hunters were type A's, were the ones that were just, you know, eating what they kill. Oh yeah, that was the thing. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works anymore, folks. The customer is educated. The customers know. So now the future in the car industry belongs to farmers. You plant the seed, you water this thing, you call the customer, send them birthday cars. If you want to have trailing income, you're going to make sure that that customer follows you no matter where you are and what you do. But that only happens if you actually 
follow up your customers after they pick up your car. Also, this you know brings us to number five here. On delivery, you must mention the importance of the CSI survey. Now, I cannot emphasize enough to you. Now, this, this point number five does not apply to Chrysler because Chrysler doesn't have customer satisfaction in this index. <laughs> they don't care. So no, they don't. They don't. They literally don't have it. It's like, you know, you bought a $130,000 pickup truck. Here, okay, here are the keys. Bye. And that's it. Then you don't have to talk to them. It's just the weirdest thing. Um, I, I had no idea how spoiled uh, we, we were making our customers in, in imports. Uh, but anyways, that's a whole different conversation. CSI, your customer satisfaction index, is so, so important. And folks, if you are listening and you are a customer, listen to me. You, you have to pay attention to this and this when I take a break. <sighs> Unfortunately, in the car industry, you either get a 10, which is a perfect, or you fail. <laughs> so <laughs> let me explain this. You either get a 10 on the CSI survey or you fail. And there is no other way around it. You know, I, uh, last week I delivered a vehicle to someone that was a referral from, you know, my ex-father-in-law. And, and uh, we, we sold the vehicle. We looked after this person and, and she was so happy and we gave her the white glove treatment. And uh, she says, I love it, I love it, I love it. You guys were great. Everybody was great. Um, so I'm going to give you, a, you know, a three. <laughs> Three? <laughs> that killed the CSI for the entire store. <laughs> for the entire store. So, folks, if you really like your salesperson and you think that they have done a good job, give them a 10. Don't give them a 9. Don't give them an 8. Don't be selfish. It doesn't affect you. Now, if for whatever reason the dealership or the salesperson didn't do a good job or something fell through the crack and something bad happened, Give them the opportunity to make it up to you before you nail them to the wall and just hurt the entire organization that has nothing to do with you. If you feel that they haven't done a good enough job, call them and say, look, I'm not completely happy. And give your salesperson and the dealership the opportunity to step up and look after you. Unfortunately, surveys these days, we are so bombarded with surveys that we have become numb to whenever I get another survey on email. You know how many you get, Ken? Like, so uh, many all, of them. It's, all it's the insane. time. I have a separate email so, you know, that just is filled delete, up with delete, all the delete, surveys. Delete, no, I can't even delete them all. There's, that, there's tens of thousands of them. Well, company factors so didn't get the memo. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they didn't get the memo. But, you know, there is a few more points that are super important. And I know that many of you are going to have to go back into your sales meeting because that's, this is the time that they normally start. I wish you would stay here. But if you're missing some of these points because they're really, really important, you can always subscribe to the podcast. You go to Apple iTunes or uh, Google Podcasts and you're going to find the Greg Carrasco Show podcast. Folks, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And for the month of April, we have have 0% financing on all used cars on approved credit. We have no payments for 90 days on all finance used cars. And you have a 30-day exchange guarantee, no questions asked. There is no other place that you should go and buy a used car other than my two stars. We'll be right back after the break. We're back. You are listening to Canada's largest automotive radio show. This is a full-on stream of consciousness of Carrasco here, 30 years in the car industry. I'm just pouring this to you. If you pick one thing up 
out of everything that I say here, the job is done. That's all I do here. Just share some of my findings. You know, I am gliding through life, trying to figure things out as I go, just like you are. So you're not alone. If you don't have things figured out, don't beat yourself up. Most of us don't. And then once they claim they do, they're pretending. It's not true. This show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. At Oakville Nissan, no commission salespeople. This month we still have the My Choice sales event. And if you've seen my ad on social media, that My Choice sales event is glorious. We have Lou Skeezes on the phone. Lou, thank you for calling me. You are up early this morning. Every morning, Greg, you know, it's, uh, it's a blessing, right? You get up on your own, you uh-huh. get it, the stuff that you're interested in, and, you know, I was tuning into your show, and I got to tell you, when you were referring to the CSI, I thought maybe you were yep. referring to a crime scene investigation. And I guess in some cases, <laughs> no. that's exactly what's going on. You're picking through it. Saying, oh, yeah, what especially at the, at the Chrysler stores. Oh, oh boy! Do, do you want more trouble? You know, the first uh, uh. you were talking about how you know internally you were the villain of the week. You know, because you were right uh, somebody's okay. grill. I saw that ad. You know, I say is that you know, I, I think that you know, in some respects, you're dealing with the sales prevention program. You know, when somebody wants to hassle you for spending your own money to try and drive uh-huh. sales, you know what I say? Get out of the way. Yeah. You know, go check your bank account. See if you can drive sales. But complaining about somebody spending out of his own pocket to promote a brand? Holy jumping. Makes me want to, like, scream. <laughs> it's sales prevention. You know, the... the- the interesting thing is that uh, uh, I was the only Nissan Infinity store who was representing the brand on the largest Canadian newspaper on Saturday. And uh, right. again, that makes me a big target. And uh, look, it, it is what it is. I understand that we live in a society in which feelings are far more important than facts, in which uh, the inadequacies of um, you know underperforming plays are uh, are far more important than the the initiatives that guys that are duking it out there trying to make it happen, um, you know, and their dollars. You know, it's it's unfortunate, but look, I, I get I got the message. It's okay. You know, you you cannot. Uh, you cannot disrupt and comply at the same time. They're contradictory thoughts. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. You, know, you got to take risk, right? You got to take risk to drive and, the agenda. Your agenda is about serving your uh, dealership and driving sales for yourself and your salespeople. I get it. Well, unfortunately, the. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot easier to look at what I'm doing or what may, may be perceived that I'm doing wrong or too aggressive uh, than to look at maybe maybe it's them. You know, maybe it's them that they're not aggressive enough. Maybe they're not putting enough efforts. But, you know, it, look, it is what it is. Um, I, this is something that I have always dealt with because whenever, you know, um, I think I was talking about this a few weeks back, and I, I'm going to digress. And for those of you folks that were listening to my top 13 things that salespeople should do, please, you, you have to stay tuned to this. But um, what I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, Lou, and I, just you know, stick with me on this one for a second. Uh, there was an experiment that was being done, and I discussed this last week, I think it was, uh, with um, uh, Wildebeest. Um, 
scientists were trying to film one and follow one, and they couldn't do it because they blend into one and they all look the same. So they put an X on one, and they found that you know now that they have an X, that was the one that was always getting killed by predators because uh, you know lions have the same problem that humans. They couldn't focus on one, and because you can't grab them all, they always got away. And uh, the same thing happened with with the human mentality and the the herd mentality. Whenever somebody st sticks out, you know, it's like bang. You know, that's what gets the nail. Whenever your neck sticks out, you know, there is where the guillotine comes. So, you know, we want to keep people just at the same level that we are. And whenever somebody does something that is remotely out of the ordinary or remotely, uh, you know, not within the framework that is allowed, because, there's, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, for some reason is understood. Uh, uh, Greg, we become the Greg, villain. And, Greg, when you signed yeah. on... Did somebody say, now, Greg, we don't want you to spend your own money promoting this brand. We don't want you giving us your best effort to move as many units as you can. Did somebody, is that in your contract? Let's be mediocre. Yeah, we insist on being mediocre. <laughs> is, is that in your contract? Well, in look, I mean... We, we see the cancel mentality out there in, in society. What makes you think that the, the car industry is any different? It's the same thing. In the moment that somebody doesn't say something that falls within the accepted narrative of the, of the populace is the moment that you become the villain and you get vilified. And a lot of people don't know what I do. You see, there are, there are definite two sides of what I do in my professional life. You know, one, I go out there and I try to activate people and to notice and where I'm at, to activate people, to let them know what I do. And the other side is to run dealerships like clockwork and there are two different personalities that uh, that I put together into a, a business package that I have been able been successful at doing for the better part of the last 20 years so you know I I don't expect to be understood Lou in fact I prefer <laughs> what they don't <laughs> yeah that's a real struggle but you know what in listening to the show over many years uh, not just on uh, TSN 1050, but, you know, prior to that, you know, every, the first hour is like a master class in sales, right? I tune into it. I am reminded of things that I knew, and uh, I'm introduced to things that I never knew. So it's just a great uh, experience. And, you know, one of your promos, the kid saying, you know, I used to watch cartoons, and now my dad makes me listen to this show. Couldn't be better for kids that want to get somewhere. <laughs> Thank you so much for the phone call, Lou. I really appreciate it. The happy capitalists here. Thank you so much, Lou. I'll, I hope to speak to you next Saturday. Uh, yeah, we'll talk again. Happy capitalism. <laughs> Thank you, Lou. Folks, we need to take a small break, and don't forget that this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. So today, if you happen to need to buy a car, because if you want to buy a car, let's comply. You know, we're going to have to comply for the foreseeable future. But if you need to buy a car, remember that you don't have to leave your house to buy a car anymore. You can type in oakvillenissan.com or oakvilleinfinity.com, and you can say, buy now. And we will make the vehicle appear on your driveway. You don't never have to leave your house. You can even shop naked at oakvillenissan.com. We'll be right back after the break. And we're back. If you are just tuning in, you just missed a crazy first hour. If you're a salesperson selling anything, especially in the car industry, 
you should go and sign up to the podcast. As soon as it's uploaded, you get it on your phone. You can listen to this on your own time. No commercials, no breaks, no nothing, just straight up content. Uh, you can find me on Apple iTunes or Google Cast or tsn.ca. We are everywhere. This show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And for the month of April, we understand that this is a lockdown and we are trying to keep everybody employed. We're trying to do the best that we can with what is given to us. And for that reason, we have your back. So if, you, if you're looking at buying a vehicle and uh, new cars is not your cup of tea, you can finance any used vehicle at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and you will get 0% financing on approved credit, of course, and some conditions may apply depending on each situation. Um, but you get 0% financing, you get no payments for 90 days, and you also get 30 days or 1,000 kilometers guarantee exchange policy for a vehicle of equal value or greater. You pay the difference. I couldn't make it any easier. If you have a question about cars, buying cars, selling cars, leasing cars, getting rid of cars, trading in cars, working in cars, working in the car industry, call us. The number is 416-870-1050. And if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876. And remember, there are no stupid questions. Mm. Maybe, maybe. Um, but anyways, we have, we have a caller <laughs> yeah, here don't, from, don't, uh, don't North, that, from North York. Who do we have on the line? Let's go to Stephen from North York. Steve, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Hi, good morning. Uh, I've got a question uh, uh, regarding the uh, NOx sensor detection system. I had my engine replaced at 67,000 kilometers. And uh, okay. if, it was, if it was replaced and I get a letter from the product improvement campaign that's going on, that it has to be yep. rechecked, wouldn't the sensor be brand new from when the engine was replaced? Uh, that's a good question, you know. What, what do you drive, a Kia? Yeah. Okay, yeah, there, there is a campaign going on. Uh, you know, look, uh, that's, a, that's a good question, and I think that the, the better person to answer that would be probably the dealer, because whenever they replace an engine, you have a new engine, right? Right. Is it the full engine or the short block? It's it's the uh, the full engine. The, the uh, uh, it was replaced at sixty seven thousand uh, kilometers. Yeah, so that part I'm not clear on because I don't know if they replace anything that has to do with electrical components whenever they uh, they put a new motor in it. You know, I um, I would probably ask my my uh, service director at. Uh, at Oakville Nissan, technical Tom, to look into that, and maybe I'll answer that question for you later on on the show. But, I mean, either way, you're still under the warranty, so there is no reason for you to be worried about. Uh, you know, Kia is a phenomenal company, and they will look after your car no matter what. I mean, the fact that they just replaced a $9,000 part for free for you, is that should tell you that they, they, you know, they step up for the product and they'll look after you. Uh, what's the concern? Uh, the, the concern is, uh, like... To follow up on this uh, this checkup that they have uh, sent me a letter saying that uh, to bring mm -hmm. it in, and when I get a notification, another letter uh, to make an appointment now, so that uh, they'll be able to uh, take me in and uh, do their repairs, and then follow through with that. Uh, that my my concern is that if the engine was was replaced. Uh, back in uh, uh, at sixty-seven thousand kilometers, wouldn't that be included? How many kilometers do you have now? I have one hundred and nineteen thousand four hundred and seventy kilometers. Well, that's a long time ago. But look, I mean, the fact that you're getting an, a letter from uh, the manufacturer, and even though you are 
20,000 kilometers outside of their warranty, that's a good indication. You know, they're still looking out to you. So I would just go back, and if it's something that they can trace back to the original replacement of the engine, uh, then it's, it's something that you most likely would have a case to get it covered and for free. So just take it back and do what they ask you. There is no, there's no beef here. So if they have a concern, you know, if, if it was a recall, it's a different story. This is just a campaign. So mm-hmm. go back and see what they tell you. Maybe you can circle back to us uh, next week and see what the findings were, okay? Sure, Will. Thanks very much for the info. Okay. Okay. Thank have you, Steve. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. You too. You know, it's, it's interesting because uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with campaigns and recalls. This happens all the time, all the time. I mean, even powerhouses like Toyota has had that, what is it called, the Takata airbag situation, you know, airbags going on, going off and... Uh, uh, you got to remember, folks, that whenever a campaign is initiated or a recall happens, um, it's just a small number of incidents that take place that uh, the manufacturer takes seriously and say, you nah, know, maybe we should um, fix this before it becomes a bit of a problem. So this costs millions and millions and millions of dollars, and they do it anyway. So um, this is not an uncommon thing. The fact that you have a campaign going on on your vehicle is just should be a sign of happiness. You know, after they sold you the vehicle, the manufacturer continued to work on the quality uh, of your car, and they feel that they're going to spend money on making sure that your happiness and your safety is paramount uh, with your driving experience. Uh, people get twisted with the recall and campaigns, and it's not a reason to be upset. If uh, anything, car manufacturers don't want to put bad cars on the road. If anything, it's a reason to be happy, like you were saying. It just means that. They're still paying attention, and they're trying to get ahead of a potential problem for you. So just take it into the dealership, get the work done, and you're good to go. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many people are just looking for reasons to be upset. And you know, living in, you know, we want the genetic and, um, uh, in, I guess, lifetime lottery we were we were born in the best times the world has ever seen <laughs> we live in canada man. you know it's, it, there is no easier place on the planet to live than canada i i can tell you this with personal experience but all all the data says that so if you're looking for problems up here it's because you really have nothing better to do um the um before um, uh, before we we got the phone call from Lou, we were talking about uh, salespeople responsibilities and the top 13 responsibilities that salespeople have. And uh, just to recap very, very quickly, um, show up on your shift, enter your customers in the system, check the system to see if the customer belongs to somebody else. If you cannot sell the vehicle during the first visit, follow up. Before the customer leaves, you need to turn over your customer to the manager, number eight, Check your deliveries before the customer comes in. All your accessories, tires, tent, access, you know, add-ons. Um, follow up with your business managers to make sure the paperwork is ready before the customer shows up. It's crucial. After the customer takes delivery of the vehicle, make sure that you follow up and make sure your customers are actually happy. And then on delivery, when the customer is picking up the vehicle, you have to mention the importance of your customer satisfaction index survey and make sure that the email that you have matches matches what the customer gave you. Because if they don't get that email, uh, they're not going to get the survey. And uh, you know, believe me, it's super, super important. And folks, if you're a customer and you really like the way your salesperson and your dealership look after you, give them a 10. If you give them a 9, they will fail. You may think that for you a 9 is enough. For car manufacturers, it's not. We either get a perfect or we fail. And uh, if, if they didn't 
give you a perfect score or, or you don't think they deserve a perfect score, call them and say, look, I have the survey here. I wasn't completely satisfied. Uh, you know, talk to me. And at least you're going to give your dealership and your salesperson an opportunity to make it up to you. Now, these are the top four responsibilities that salespeople have. And I, I really hope that people are listening to this. Number four. Don't lie to your customers and make promises you cannot keep. This is simple. This was going to be number one. Okay, it was going to be number one. But I, I changed the placement because the other ones that are coming up are just as important. And uh, ultimately, if we don't sell the cars, you're not going to be able to lie to your customers in the first place. But don't lie to your customers and make promises that you cannot keep. And for you customers out there, if it's not on the bill of sale, it didn't happen. I repeat this. If it's not on the bill of sale, it did not happen. Because there is a very strong possibility that if that salesperson you bought the vehicle from is not there three, four, five years from now, and they made you a promise, and it's not on the bill of sale, people are going to shrug their shoulders and say, eh, I don't know. <laughs> and you are going to be SOL, and that's not a good position to be in. If you think that you are in possession of crucial information, that you are in possession of crucial promises from the dealership, make sure that this is written on your bill of sale. There is no, not any other way about it. You need to have it on the bill of sale. Number three. This one is something that I, uh, I think that people should pay a lot of attention to, especially if you're in the car business. Actually, in, in, in most industries. Number three, responsibilities. It is your responsibility to remember that you are not special. That whether you sell five cars a month or 50 cars a month, you are not special. There is a lot more to being an exceptional salesperson than just selling cars. If you're selling 50 cars a month and everyone hates you and you create disharmony and discord within the sales floor and you are in single-handedly destroying the morale of your organization, you need to be terminated. And I have had a few of those ones in my lifetime. And man, is it ever tough to walk away from someone that sells that many cars. But I can tell you, man, and I always associate this with a, with a fish tank. You have a group of fish that live together, interact together. They all swim peacefully. And then you put this beautiful, beautiful specimen of a Japanese fighting fish in the middle of it. What happens? Do you know what happens, Ken? It kills the other fish, Greg. The hard, they the symbiotic kill everything. They destroy everything. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's toast. So you, in an attempt to bring performance to your store, if you bring in discord, if you bring conflict, if you bring drama, if you bring the, the brain damage that dealing with some of these people bring with them, because, you know, listen, with the high performance, there is also high maintenance. So it is your duty to understand that the only reason why you're selling that many cars is because of the environment that you happen to be thriving in. Don't mess it up. You know, in Spanish, there is a saying that says the following. I can't say it in English. Donde comes, no cagues. <laughs> but those of you that know Spanish know exactly what I am talking about. Essentially, don't crap or you eat. <laughs> Number two, if you do sell a vehicle, if you do sell a vehicle, you are at the store, you do sell a car, you're lucky enough that you made magic happen. Make sure 
that you collect all the pertinent information from your customers, from the driver license, and make sure that the buyer is on the driver license, the insurance left of the current vehicle, you get a deposit, you get accurate trade information, that you go outside and read the kilometers on the trade-in, that you get the ownership of the trade, and that the ownership of the trade is under the name that appears on the driver license of the person that's buying the car. This is so esoteric, but it's so important, folks, and I need to say this, because if you don't have these things matching, you really don't have a sale. You don't have a sale. Nothing has happened. So, And uh, you'd be surprised how many salespeople get excited at the thought of selling a car. And next thing you know, they rush everything else and it's a problem. The number one responsibility that you have as a salesperson in a car dealership, okay, in a car dealership, and I know, I know a lot of you are thinking, what is going to be the number one responsibility of a salesperson at a car dealership? And, uh, and I'm going to tell you this, and I might surprise you. It's not selling cars. <laughs> it is not selling cars. If selling cars is the number one responsibility that a salesperson have, now you are sitting and using the parameter of pressure as what drives that sale. In my world, the number one responsibility a salesperson has is to make appointments. You make appointments. You make appointments. You get an internet leads, you make an appointment. You get a sales call, you make an appointment. You have a referral, you make an appointment. You have an email lead, you make an appointment. You get them to come down because of very simple reasons. And this is the reason. Hear me out, Ken, and I know I'm boring you with, with sales stuff. I, you know, just bear with me. When you are seeking to sell cars, the average closing ratio, so, you know, the batting average, if you will, you know, I'm going to speak to you in your terms. <laughs> I like Whenever that. you're trying to sell cars, <laughs> when, I, when you're trying to sell cars, the average salesperson in Canada has a 25% closing ratio. So they talk to four people, they sell one car. Four people, one car. Okay, hear me out. The average closing ratio when you book an appointment is 65%. <laughs> so you sell almost three cars out of the same four people. The only difference is that one was an action initiated by the salesperson to book an appointment, make sure that you look after the customers, make sure the car is ready, is gassed up before they come in and look at it to drive it. You are ready with all your arguments, you're ready with all the information and documentation, and you seem like you are a professional. So you prepare. You, you can only fight the way you practice. That's what Miyamoto Musashi said in the book the of Five Rings. You can only fight the way you practice. So if you are ready for the customer when they come in, if you know what they're looking for and you give it to them, then you are virtually eliminating all the obstacles that you could have for the customer to buy a vehicle from you. So essentially, you know, if you look at, if you can picture a, a line of curling, you know, the customer is the stone, you know, they're going down the line with the momentum, and your job is to be the guy with the broom. <laughs> Just get rid of all the dirt, get rid of everything that could be in the way of them accomplishing what they wanted to do in the first place. Because I can tell you, if a customer shows up at your dealership, it's not because they're looking to buy jeans. <laughs> so they're there looking for a reason not to buy a car from you. So don't give it to them. 
be ready, be kind, be honest and transparent. And you won't have to sell anything. People will want to say to you, take my body. <laughs> ah, I love this business, man. I love it. Folks, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here. You can call me. If you have any thoughts on this, you can call me at 416-870-1050. Or if you're calling from out of town, you can call me at 1-855-591-6876. And on the other side of the break, folks, I wanted to tell you something. I want you to call me and tell me a good reason to drive a luxury car. Because what I want to share with you is something that blew my mind this week. And I think that all of you should know this. Because if you're driving a luxury car right now, you may be making a fatal financial mistake this show is brought to you by oakville nissan and oakville infinity and for the month of april we have zero percent financing on all used cars we'll be right back you're listening to the beautiful musical taste of my producer here ben mcclellan is that your pronounce your last, last name ben it's pretty good right? yeah that was that was McClellan. pretty good it's mcclellan here uh, that's pretty trust good. me i've heard it way worse there you go can you pronounce my last name Carrasco. <laughs> <laughs> that, that took a couple of seconds. Uh, folks, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. Um, that is our competitive advantage. It's a pressure free environment. Awesome, awesome people working with us. Um, our used cars is a, is a one price story. The, the prices are all pre negotiated, so we give you the best price right up front. Um, you know, your, the price that you pay for a vehicle should not be based on how good of a negotiator you think you are because it doesn't matter how good you think you are, the dealer is better. So don't do it. It's a trap. <laughs> so we don't, we don't do it at our store. Uh, it's a one price uh, store for our used vehicles. And for the month of April, both stores, Oakville Infinity and Oakville Nissan, you can get 0% financing on approved credit on all used cars, 90 days, no payments, and 30 days or 1,000 kilometers to exchange it. So if you buy a vehicle and you don't really like it, you can exchange it for something of equal value and you can pay more if you want something more expensive. It's entirely up to you. If you have a say on the following topic or the next topic, you can call us at 416-870-1050, 416-870-1050. And if you're calling from out of town, 1-855-591-6876. And you know, I think that you know many of the slackers still don't know that we have a new time slot here <laughs> on TSN. So we are on from 8 a.m. until 11 a.m. every single Saturday morning. And believe it or not, the entire car industry in Ontario listens to the Carrasco Show. They all listen from inside the closet. They're all Carrasco Show listener, closet listeners. And how do I know this? It's because last month at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, more than 60% of all the customers that came in, came in because of the radio show. It's unbelievable. Folks, thank you. I am humbled by your loyalty. I am humbled by your respect and the fact that you come down to my store and see what we do. Um, the fact that th we have this radio show here is the number one reason why Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity and where I'm working is the safest possible place that you can go and buy a vehicle. I hold myself accountable here on the radio every single Saturday. So what I wanted to talk to you guys about this morning, guys and girls, is um, luxury cars. What is the need to drive a luxury car? So I'm going to toss this question out there. Is it insecurities? Is it 
status? You just want to show the world that you, that you have some money? Or, you know, is it the proverbial, I've made it. You know, you, you feel that you deserve it. It's owed to you. Society owes you a luxury car. Do you feel entitled to drive a luxury car? Or is it social pressures? Is it because the Joneses or your neighbor or your friends or your brother or sister, they drive, they drive a luxury car, so you feel the need to drive one? Or is it because your dad <laughs> had a luxury vehicle to drive for all those years? And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, first and foremost, I, I, I gave a lot of thought to this, Ken, yesterday at the office. And uh, I was trying to find a definition. I mean, Let's define a luxury car. And this is, I think that this is probably the most accurate way to describe what a luxury vehicle is. Because luxury is different for many people. You see, for, for many people, driving a new car is a luxury. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. For some people, driving a ugly as hell Bentley SUV is a luxury. So I, 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 I don't comprehend that vehicle. I don't know why anybody would ever buy that silly, you know, Lamborghini SUVs. It's just silly. It's just, you know, you know, it's just such a terrible decision. But anyway, so, you know, here is what in the eyes of Carrasco I have defined a luxury car. A luxury vehicle is if the car you're buying costs more than 50% of your annual after-tax income. It is a luxury car to you. So let me repeat this, folks. If the car you're buying costs at MSRP more than 50% of your annual after-tax income, that vehicle is a luxury car to you. So let me give you an example. You know, you have a, a job that pays you $70,000 a year. After tax, you bring home maybe 40000 because we are very, very close of working for the government. At that point, you bring home $40,000. If you're driving a car that's more than $20,000, you are driving, my friend, a luxury car to you. That vehicle is a luxury to you. You shouldn't. You see, and this is something that I've said in the past, you should never be driving a luxury car if you still have a mortgage. Your priorities are all messed up. You should never buy a Rolex on credit. On credit. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, I'll just put it on credit. <laughs> and pay 21% to show that you have a Rolex. It's stupid. Don't do it. You're wasting your money. And those of you that have followed my career for the last almost three decades and my radio show for 13 or 14 years now, understand that I feel this way towards cars. Cars are the biggest waste of money that anybody could have. You just need them. So you need to have one. But why are you wasting your money? So during the development of this thought process, and by the way, if you have a comment on this, just call me, 416-870-1050. If you have another definition of what a luxury car is, uh, feel free to challenge me on this. I, uh, one of the things that, that I'm very proud of is that I'm not married to any of my ideas. 
not a single idea of mine is crystallized. You can tell me something different. If it's better evidence, I will change my mind. And I've changed my mind about very many things. And my buddy Nav Batia called me out last weekend because I was open on a Sunday. Remember that, uh, Ken? I he do He was recall. very quickly to point his finger at me. Greg, you used to be upset with me <laughs> when I opened on Sunday. Yeah, I've changed I my mind. I thought he was pretty. Ex- I thought he was pretty excited, to be honest. I thought he was like, just do whatever <laughs> you want. Because back in the day, he of was uh, citing you know, that Saturdays weren't the regularity for dealerships to be open, and he opened back in, on Saturdays back in the day. And it's just kind of you have to be a do, pioneer we, we, sometimes. You do, and uh, I can tell you this: uh, you need to hang on to this ability to do whatever you have to do for your companies to succeed while you can. You know, so long as we have free enterprise, or you know what appears to still be free enterprise in Canada, because soon that's going to change. Uh, we need to cling on to this, and you need to do whatever it is that puts the food on the table for the people that work for you and treats your customers fairly. But you know, let's go back to what we're talking about. Yes, if um, you don't mind, I'll just jump in here really cars. briefly. I think that this yeah. is a really important concept for people to understand what we consider to be a luxury car, because it doesn't necessarily okay. have to be a BMW or a Mercedes or an Audi. It could just be. Don't go buy the new 2022 version of the car rather than either getting a used certified from a dealership or something a little bit less extravagant with less options, depending on what your take home is going to be. Because if you're going out there and just overextending yourself based off of what your annual take home income is after taxes, even just a gener- what would be considered a more generic car brand, whether it's a Nissan or whether it's a Ford or whether whatever it is, that could still be overextending yourself and putting you into the luxury category. Well, and you see, the the word luxury is so uh, is so personal. It's also so. Um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, Subjective. You know, it, it'll come to me. It's subjective. There we go. That, thank you. Uh, it's so subjective that it means something completely different. Let me give you an example. There are many countries in the world in which toilet paper is a luxury. There are many countries in the world that... Canada was one of those places. No, <laughs> Back in March, Canada was one of those places. Toilet paper was a luxury. That, that is true. I mean, look, you just have to go up to northern Ontario to the reservations and, and running water is a luxury. So, you know, we don't have to go very far. And, and, and luxury is so defined, is defined so differently by everyone else that, uh, you know, driving a brand new vehicle for somebody that is 18 or 19 years old is definitely a luxury. Driving a German luxury car for a 17 or 18 year old is a crime. You know, ask me about this. It's a crime. Don't ruin your children this way, people. Don't do it. Let's talk to Frank. Frank has something to say here. And if you have something to say, call us. 416-870-1050 is the number to call. Argue with me. I challenge you. Frank, uh, how can we help you? Good morning. How are you? I am well, thank you. I I think that my mood is about to change based on what you say. Um, I drive a uh, AMG 53 GLE. Now I drive it. I'm in real estate. I drive it not for luxury. I drive it for so clients can see me as being successful. I believe that clients like to deal with successful agents. My mistake was buying the GLE with the three letters AMG. That's because I was a fool. I should have bought the cheaper model. 
same 600 bucks a month, and there would have been no difference. But I buy it as a perspective so clients can see me as being successful. That they feel that they're dealing with successful you, so do you think that do you think that looking hold on a second, you know, this is something that I hear often from real estate agents, which is a very interesting thing. Uh, do you think that, you know, being perceived as successful is a, is a is a catalyst when it comes to selling houses? Or do you think that maybe being perceived as wise, as uh, as uh, honest is more important? No, when I first started in real estate I I, I was driving a Malibu. And I remember some of these clients okay. saying, holy Jesus, look, look what you're driving. And look at the other guy. He's driving a band. He's driving a BMW. This guy's got to make all kinds of money. He's got to be a good agent. So clients have to say that to you. Well, they said it to me in the past. So then I realized, you know what? It's all about show. Make sure your car's clean. Make sure you're dressed in nice clothes. Drive that vehicle. Because clients look at you. So this guy's successful. This guy knows what he's doing. He sells a lot of homes. That means he must know what he's doing because look what he's driving. I've had, I've had clients say to me, you know, first time, like I said, you drive a Malibu. That's interesting. You know, I, I, at one point in my life, I knew um, it, it wasn't Money Mike because Money Mike is one of the one of the best people that I know, uh, you know, as a human, anyways. And uh, I knew a, a financial advisor at one point that you know that bought an eighty thousand dollar Mercedes for his daughter, and I thought, dude, you're making too much money. Uh, and, uh, and then I started to look at the products that he was trying to sell me, and sure enough, it's stuff that only benefit him. I, I look at the world a little bit different because I am submerged in the car industry, so I, I can see the reason why people buy these cars and uh, is, is, is very interesting I, I think that be, you know people underestimate uh, uh, how perceptive consumers can be I think that you know people are not silly and they, they do see when somebody is making too much money and that maybe they may be leaving money on the table based on the, how extravagant that vehicle that the the real estate agent is driving now there are some pretty successful real estate agents out there and I I know one that happens to be a really good guy and he has a driver so it's like okay yeah that's great but my mistake was buying a vehicle with a letters AMG if I would have got the 350 or the 450 I would have said about 600 bucks no one would have knew any wiser that AMG only made me feel better and it was the stupidest thing I've ever done you know, I hear you, man. You're preaching to the choir. And the, the reality is this, that, I mean, you know, an AMG at, at, at the best is going to take you from zero to 100 kilometers an hour between three and four and a half seconds. So that's how much money you are paying for the ability to do this because no one really does it. So, you know, it's, it's a complete waste of money. Frank, thank you so much for calling uh, the show. I yeah. really appreciate the honesty and uh, and, and you sharing your story with us. Uh, again, if you want to do it, it's 416-870-1050. Now, the reason why I... I brought this up is because I read an article, Ken, uh, that is, is done by David Morris. Uh, they call it's called Tech Transportation, and uh, I'm, I'm going to try to read it now. I apologize to you because whenever whenever I read, my accent comes out. So I, I please forgive me. Um, so this is the article. You know, today's cars are parked 95% of the time, and uh, want to know why Uber and automation really matter. You know, here is the answer. So this is the article. Reports of the death of the carbine among the millennials turn out to have been greatly exaggerated. There is one big reason ride-hailing services like Uber and eventually autonomous vehicles are still a threat to private car ownership. If you put this simply, uh, we just don't use cars very much, especially now during the lockdowns. Transportation advisor Paul Barter has confirmed long-standing claims by urban planners that on average Listen to this, folks. This is so crazy to me. It's crazy, man. Local. This is local. 
He says that the average car is parked 95% of the time. I want you to think about this. You buy a $200,000 car and that car is sitting there unused 95% of the time. Barta tries three different approaches. First, using data on the number of car trips and their average time. Then survey the results about the time we spend driving and finally extrapolates from the reports on the distance and speed car travels. Each time he arrives at 5% or less at the amount of time cars are actually in use. Then you get a data sheet, Fortune's Technology newsletter, you know, Barter says, like other urban planners is most concerned with the strain in that storing all those barely used cars make on cities. The shift away from mass car ownership, he says, would result in huge parking space savings, helping make cities denser, more efficient, and more livable. What Barty doesn't point out is that not just the storage space, but the cars themselves are being wasted under the current system. Sharing vehicles either through existing services like Zipcar or Uber or eventually through automated vehicles that could be summoned as needed would lead to a significantly lower overall spending on cars. And that's because while increased wear would of course give each car a shorter lifespan, a lot of vehicle wear such as corrosion actually takes place when cars are sitting still. So, even if the auto industry has recovered a bit from its post-recession nightmare of a generation of transit-loving, bike-riding hipsters, the future will probably include a big shift in spending away from big hunks of steel that mostly just sit on the driveway. And I've said this to you before. A car is the most expensive driveway ornament that anybody than anybody could have. And I challenge anyone right now to call the show, 416-870-1050, and post an actual credible argument, a credible argument as to why is it that anybody needs to drive a luxury car. We have Frank from Toronto here uh, that's going to talk to us about the perception of luxury cars. Frank, talk How's to us. How's it going, Greg? Great show. Huh? Thank you, sir. Thank so you. I'm going to make a very unique argument. Most people will miss this. You'll get it because you're a car guy. So I drive a vehicle that I take very good pride in. You could call it a luxury car. You can call it whatever it is. To me, I don't care. I didn't buy it to look good, but I get more looks than any AMG or BMW because the car is designed as a piece of art. The engineering is art. It's not just engineering. And my son, I couldn't get him. He loves my car. He couldn't care less, like, how it sounds, how it drives. These kids today don't care about these cars being luxury cars. They just want to get to A to B. But... What kind of car do you have? I enjoy my car, and let me tell you why. It puts a smile on my face. It doesn't need the fancy badges <laughs> what that is BMW it? or Mercedes needs. Because when they were making diapers, this car was being racing Formula One, right? So Alfa Romeo's been Talk around for a long me. time. Talk to me. What kind of car is it? Alfa Romeo. Hey, listen, <laughs> you were very sheepish when that came out of your mouth. No, it's fine. I'm just saying I enjoy it because it is what it is. But I get looks everywhere because nobody knows what it is. Nobody knows what it does. My son doesn't care. He loves to go in it, loves to play his tunes, but he doesn't care that it sounds the way it does or it just performs the way it does. He doesn't care. This generation doesn't care about luxury. They want to get Uber, play their games, and eat. Yeah, but you see, look at it this way. Um, you know, I, I assume that, uh, is this your only car or you have a second car? My second car is coming. It's been 
put together for the summer. Okay, so look at look at it this way. I mean, based on what you are describing about the way the car sounds, the way the car feels, and uh, the looks that it attracts, you know, it speaks to me that this is a luxury for you. You you perceive it as luxury. I, you appreciate it, it as is. luxury. And and yeah, but hear me out. Hear me out. So you see, what a lot of people miss in the whole concept of a car is that the car replaced the horse. You know, we wanted to in efficiencies in in time saving. Uh, efforts have been placed on our technology to just take you places faster, whether you get your information faster on the phone or you get to where you want to be faster via a horse or a cart or a motorcycle or a car for that matter. So everything is about uh, the utility that this represents. Now, if you look at a car for what it is, uh, if you look at a car rather for what it should be, it should be nothing more than a tool that takes you from A to B safely and rapidly. I, and that I agree is with it. you. Anything else, that, anything else that you add to that description is something that doesn't need to be attributed. And this is where marketing companies have spent billions and bi I mean, car manufacturers have spent billions and billions of dollars creating the idea that you are less of a man, that you are not a successful woman unless you get yourself into the sexy German set of wheels. I agree and with you, but here's, unfortunately, where, here's where your argument falls down. You're 100% you're right. The difference, though, is when a car is made pure, when a car is made pure, that means not all the gadgets, not all the comforts. I don't want to ride on a couch in my car. I want to ride in a performance car that I feel the roads, okay? Do you know all these new cars, they're pumping audio into it to make the engine sound loud? Alfa Romeo doesn't do that. Do you know that they install things to make things sound better? Because, okay, I want to insulate myself from the road. Why? The point is, when a car is pure, you enjoy it. But soon the car will be gone because EVs are coming, right? That doesn't make driving fun. And it doesn't make it utilitarian. Because we're actually polluting the well, environment more with EVs. Because those batteries can't be reused. I... We're going to have... Remember we used to have tires and junk <laughs> well, Hold on a second, hold on a second, Frank, 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 Frank. You know, that's, that's, I understand what you're saying, and I, whether I, I agree or disagree with you. But, you know, again, the, the, the idea of, you know, and thank you, Frank, for the phone call. I really appreciate it. Okay. Um, you know, we, the idea of what a luxury represents to us is so personal. It's so different from person to person that, you know, if, if you ask somebody that never had a car before and you give them a, you know, a 12 year old vehicle for them to go to work without having to take the bus, that is a new luxury that has been acquired. But I think the whole concept of a car being anything more than just a tool that you use to take you from A to B safely and rapidly is where all the translation is lost. Frankly, so much of the phone call. Let's talk to Dominic in Mississauga. Dominic, what do you have to say about luxury cars? Hi, Craig. How are you? Good. How are you? Yes, I'm here. Go ahead. What is what? What are your thoughts, Craig? I'm a luxury car salesman. I've been a luxury car salesman for 28 years. And what do you sell? The same brand, Jaguar Land Rover. And uh, uh -huh. I've been with the brand for 28 years. Um, I have a large portfolio. Most of my clients are all repeat or referral business. And I guess to answer mm -hmm. your question, by the way, I love your show. Um, well, thank you. The my clients have earned the right to drive a luxury car or a super luxury car, just like they have earned the right to live in certain postal codes and have the right to wear certain type of watches. These are people that there's a small niche. 
they have a certain income, may employ a lot of people, and have earned the right to drive a luxury car. And Mm -hmm. I've come across some clients who maybe shouldn't have been driving a luxury car, but at the same time, the majority of my clients have earned the right to drive a luxury car, and they're repeat clients, and I've had them for years, and most of them have become friends, and, uh, and I love what I do. You know, Dominic, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show, man. I, I, I respect that. Thank you so much. Have you been at the same dealership for all those years? Uh, pretty much. I have just switched over to one store, but pretty much with the same uh-huh. dealership for the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you happen to listen to the first hour when we're talking about the responsibilities of, of the salespeople? I did, and I agree with you 200%. And the reason why I agree with you is because the biggest problem nowadays is dealer principals hire, hire new salespeople that they want them to work from tick to talk, unfortunately, are not trained properly. And I agree with you. All of my business is by appointment only, and my business is about developing relationships and having appointments because once you develop a relationship, you set up an appointment, you're 50% of the way there to sell them a new car. Dominic, I, I love you, man. I, I, don't not, I don't think that you understand how much, I've, I, how much love I feel for you this second because, Likewise. you see, you know, historically, when I look at all the people that, have been, that I know that have been very, very successful in the car industry, number one, they stay. Number two, they work on appointments only. And, and number three, they understand that if you don't have some sort of a relationship with your customers, you will never make it. And, and the fact that you've been selling the same brand for all these years is a testament to what we're saying here is true. But, you know, it, it, it's interesting because look at it this way. Um, when At the beginning of the segment when I was talking about luxury cars, I defined a luxury car that if the car that you're buying costs more than 50% of your annual after-tax income. So, for example, if you have somebody that makes a million dollars a year, okay, and they net, they net $600,000, and they buy a vehicle that is a quarter of a million dollars, that car is not a luxury for them. That car is a car that they want to drive, and they'll buy it. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Oh, no, I understand exactly what you're saying, but a lot of it has to do with our clients also is perception. They live in certain neighborhoods. They have a certain crowd of people. They go to a certain golf course. And it's important for them, Craig, to be driving a vehicle like this. I had a client that I dealt with for many, many years. And one year, the client said to me, I've decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to go away from a luxury car. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to drive, for example, a Japanese car. And I said, fine. I never Mm -hmm. disagree. Everybody makes a wonderful car. Everybody All the cars have different characteristics, and that's why people buy them. What I said to him Mm -hmm. is, it's going to be very difficult for you to move away from a luxury car to go to a different brand, because you're so used to driving this vehicle. His wife said to him, in my office, you are not going to change brands because we go to Florida, we're members at a private golf club. We're, we're members so there's, of a, there is a, a social pressure aspect of this that you're talking and about here, Dominic. Said, and I, I, I do understand what she, you're saying. And she said, if you do this, people are going to think we have money trouble. Oh, boy. <laughs> and guess what? This is unbelievable. You know, the, the funny thing is, is that Warren Buffett drives like a 20-year-old vehicle. But, Dominic, Absolutely. thank you so much for listening to the show, man. I, all the thank respect you, to Brad. you and the, the fact that you're still listening to this. Thank you. Love your show. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, brother. You know, 
That's amazing, and that's amazing. You know, we we ended up not taking breaks this this hour. I think that we need to. Uh, should we just carry on for another few minutes and then just break for the hour and squeeze another break on the other side? Yeah, we can make it okay. up uh, in the next hour. No worries. Uh, you know, b before we continue in, with the clo uh, closing thoughts on this uh, this this idea of the used cars, um, you know, my my real estate and friend uh, Faisal is coming on the other side of the hour. Uh, again, you know, the the real estate market is doing some amazing things here in Southern Ontario, and uh, we're going to be talking about the importance of staging. And uh, you know, it, it's funny because you can draw a direct parallel whenever you're trading a vehicle in staging of that trading is going to make you thousands of dollars you know if not more if you if but if you're not paying attention to this it, it could also cost you thousands and that ideas apply so violently whenever you're buying and selling a house and uh, uh Faisal is is my personal real estate agent and uh, I trust him I I try I made a promise that I was never going to bring anyone on the show that I hadn't done business with in the past because now I work with them personally and if I if they're good enough for me to give them my money uh, they're good enough for you to trust and uh, that's the reason why face was gonna be on the other side of the hour but uh, anyways um, you know on closing thoughts on this luxury uh, Ken what what do you think of my thoughts on this and the, the fact that 95% of the time vehicles are just sitting there collecting dust is something that just like is it blows me away it, blow, it blows me away well first off I think that? I think uh, it would be interesting to ask Faisal when we have him on about the perception of real estate agents I believe it was Frank that brought it up earlier and whether or not driving a fancy car is important he might have some good insight on that but I think that the reasoning that people buy luxury cars has been brought up by a couple of the different callers and yourself it's perception outward perception whether it's uh, career success people think that the luxury cars and appearances really do matter which is why they're willing to go out and sometimes overextends themselves to be seen in a certain vehicle despite the fact that as the survey points out this car is going to be parked 95 percent of the time so ultimately what you're paying for is a very expensive driveway ornament. <laughs> it it is, and uh, uh, I don't know what the satisfaction is that to say that you have a Benz or a BMW or an Audi, whatever you happen to identify, because you have people that identify themselves with the car. It's just, you know, it's, it's it's a brand that has been within the family lines, and I, it's virtually impossible to convince them now. I, I don't think that I think that I need to you know clarify something. I have no beef, no beef. I have no issue or concerns with you buying any one of these brands if if you can afford it. My issue is there is a there is this new culture in which people that should not be driving that sort of vehicles, the people that should not be wearing those sort of sort of brands, that people that should not be buying this sort of shoes or wearing these watches. There is a culture out there that is peer pressure pressuring young adults to make terrible financial decisions that's where my beef is and a lot of these people are the parents that are encouraging and buying the sort of cars to their children you if you're buying a luxury car to a 17 and 18 year old you are wrecking your kids 
Folks, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, home of the no commission salespeople. And don't forget that we have 0% financing on all used cars, no payments for 90 days, and a 30-day or a 1,000-kilometer exchange guarantee. There's no need for you to go anywhere else. You need to come and see me at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We will be right back on the other side of the hour. You are listening to Greg Carrasco, and this is Canada's largest automotive radio show with my friend Ken Stapen here on TSN 1050, the Greg Carrasco Show. We talk about all sorts of different things. And, uh, you know, to start this next hour, uh, my friend Faisal, who happens to be my real estate agent, um, is here. Are you there, Faisal? How you doing? Is, I, can't, I can't. Hey, there you are. How are you? Good, good. How's it going? You know, you, uh, I haven't heard much from I haven't heard much from you this week. You must be super busy on the other side. How hot is the real estate market still? It's so hot that everybody's talking about how to cool it off. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you know, when when I, when I was thinking about um, you know how uh, you know what we can bring to to the listeners this week, uh, something that they, they could use on their own, or they can you know get your assistance on on what they're doing. Uh, this whole idea of staging a house uh, is is something that is, uh, you know, it's become a bit of a thing. Uh, but uh, before we go into this, Faisal, uh, what I want to do is that I want to send your information out. So if you are in the process of buying or selling a house and you need to find someone that you can trust, that I trust, um, you should probably write this number down. Uh, Faisal's number is 416-399-4227. Again, 416-399-4227. Or you can send them an email at info at mikasaagent.com. Info at mikasaagent.com. That is M-I-C-A-S-A-agent.com. How was your week, man? It's been good. How's your week going? The... Um, uh, well, I, I think that, uh, you know, dealing with the brain cramps of, uh, you know, working in the car industry, you know how that is. But, uh, last, last month was insane. Uh, I think the last March was the biggest, uh, March that Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity has ever had. So, <laughs> Uh, it was painful. It was costly, uh, but uh, the the stores are doing really, really well. We're just trying to deal with this lockdown insanity. How is the lockdown affecting the real estate uh, business, uh, Faisal? Uh, well, we're still doing showings, in-person showings. We're not allowed to have open houses, and obviously, we're not okay. we'll be going knocking on doors to try and drum up new business. Mm-hmm. But as far as yeah, for the showing, but, uh, we, you know. We have to make sure that we, you know, answers those questions, those standard questions about travel, feeling sick, all the rest of it, um, masks, and sometimes gloves are required. And we limit it to two people plus an agent to go in a house at a time. But other than that, pretty much business as usual. Really, I think I think that uh, there's a lot of people that are feeling the same way. Is you know, for the most part, it's business as usual. So what we're going to do right now is that we're going to take a very very short break, and on the other side of the break, we're going to talk to Faisal about some fundamentals when it comes to staging your home if you're planning to sell the house, and also if you're looking at buying a house, how important staging is when determining the prices. Folks, the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople, and for the month of April. Whenever you come in and buy an infinity from us, you don't have to make any payments for 90 days. So you 
lease or finance any brand new Infinity from Oakville Infinity, and you don't have to make payments until July. Oakville drives Infinity. We'll be right back after the break. I see what you did there, man. That's awesome. Here we go. This song has been ruined for me from university, but that's a, that's a whole different story. Welcome to my house, and if you're looking at buying or selling a house, you should probably write uh, Faisal's number down. It's 416-399-4227, or send him an email at info at mikasaagent.com. You know, Faisal, we, before the, uh, you know, we, we started talking to you this hour, we were talking about luxury cars, and uh, I think it's an important thing to tie it in, because you're a real estate agent, and what I've found over the years is um, uh, most real estate, real estate agents, they want to show the world that they're successful, and they drive this super expensive luxury cars. Uh, do you think that that's a thing? Yeah, obviously it is a thing. There are some people that, that do have that need to show everybody you know, that they're very successful. Uh, most, yeah. most agents are driving just or, like, you know, you know, ordinary luxury brand cars, like Mercedes, BMW. They're not, they're not driving the $250,000 vehicle. They're driving the $60,000, $70,000 vehicle for a lot of different reasons. But so personal, do you think that that choice. has an impact? I mean, the, the car that you're driving, do you think that has an impact on the way that you are perceived as a, as a salesperson? Uh, I don't think so, <laughs> to be honest. I, I think you're, you know, how you present yourself personally, like the way you dress, the way you talk to people, your competency. I think it's all, the, all those things, those factors are more important than the car you're driving. If you don't know how to help your customer or your client negotiate a deal to purchase a house, it doesn't matter what kind of car I drove there, right? That that is true, and you know, speaking of that, uh, you know, the, the, that impression, that the perception that you have, you don't really have a chance to create a first impression. As you, there is no second chance for that. So, how important, Faisal, is this this idea of the wow factor when when you're selling a house or or, or when you're buying a house, for that matter? Can you elaborate a little bit on this? Oh, absolutely. The, when people first walk into a house, you've got to wow them right away. Right when they're walking through room by room and they're looking at the space, the, the way things fit and work in the house, if you don't give them a, a, a really amazing presentation right off the bat, chances are they're not going to see it the way you see it, and they may not put the same value that you put on your house. All right, so it affects and it, it does affect what you're going to get for your house. Uh, I, I I'll give you an example. There was a house near me. Um, people, I knew the people, they listed the house, it was like two and a half million dollars, they listed it. I didn't go in, I mean, I wasn't one of those looky loose, but I looked online at the pictures, and all of their closets were cluttered and full to the brim, like, like you know, like there was no room there. The kitchen pantry was packed to the brim, they had boxes everywhere. The house just looked like it was tiny, but it was a three and a half thousand square foot house. It didn't sell. And, and it was simply because month, of all the stuff that was inside, right? Well, you know, obviously, if you're looking at that price point, you have a lot of, there are still lots of other choices, right? So if you're looking at a uh -huh. house that looks like it's small and you're looking at a house that, that's done really nice and it looks like, looks like there's lots of room and it, that I don't have to do anything to make it my own, my, you know, everything being equal, I'm going to take the one that's easy to work with, right? Do you, do you think that when it comes to staging, uh, less is more? Yes. I mean, obviously, uh, some of the stagers like to put a lot of knickknacks. They have a lot of the, um, the, the prints, the frames on the walls. 
you know, you'll, you'll see all sorts of like, you know, magazines on the, on the coffee table and so on. Uh, the stager I use, Christine Rapancy, she's great. She's, she's an amazing person. She does a really good job, but it's, it's not over the top, right? It still leaves the space to be enjoyed and allows people to see themselves in that space. Because that's important, right? You know, you walk into a house and you can't, you can't envision living there, you're probably not going to want to buy it, right? You're not going to buy the house. And, you know, over the years, that every time I've sold the property, uh, because, you know, it's, it's a hobby of mine. I, I, I do believe in investing in real estate. It's, it's probably one of the, the, the best and surefire ways of investment and moving monies and making money moves. It's mostly just real estate moves. Uh, every time I've sold a house, I have found, you know, I, I'm a, I travel very light. I'm not a pad rack, you know, a pack rack. And uh, I, I don't keep a lot of things in my house. I, I hate clutter. I, there are people that are hoarders out there, and uh, you know that for me is the the, the human or, or physical impersonation of anxiety when I walk into a place that is so packed with things. And I don't know how people can live that way, but saying that, because every time I've sold a property, I I haven't had to take a lot of stuff out because I don't have many things in the house to begin with. But, you know, do you find that by having too many things in your house, by having your closets filled with stuff, that um, you are better off just getting everything in boxes and just storing them somewhere, at least for the time that your house is being shown, in an attempt to make the space look more favorable to you? Do you think that that's a common practice? Uh, generally, it's like whenever I'm working with a client and we're trying to sell a property, I will go through and I'll tell them, look, we got to pack up all, you know, and let's say now it's summertime, so I'll say pack away all your winter clothing, right? Put it in suitcases, take it to your mother's place, whatever, get it out of the house. Because when people come around and they're looking at everything, they want to see that there's space. We're not trying to fool anybody into thinking that, you know, the house is bigger than it is, but you just want to be able to see that there's, the, like, for instance, the closet. You want to be able to see if there's a space for your stuff, right? If it's jammed up mm-hmm. tight and there's boxes everywhere, it looks like there may not be enough room for your own for yourself to live there, right? Um, now, since since you're in the process of buying a house or selling your house, for that matter, wouldn't it be a practical thing to do that if you are packing all these things that are excess that you may not need for your day-to-day use, that should give you a pretty good indication if you have so much garbage there. <laughs> just put it in boxes and just get it out of the house. But also, is it's a way to start packing because soon, if you're selling your house, you're going to be moving soon. So wouldn't that help you just to pack as many things as you can for as long as you can while the house is being sold? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, usually, especially in this market, uh, from, the, from the day we list the property in the MLS system to the day a deal is done, it's usually about six to seven days, not a whole lot of times. So you don't have to, you know, have your house being show ready for that long. And so, yeah, so pack up. You're going to pack up anyway, so start packing up now. You know, take that. And one of the things I, a lot of people don't realize is take down all the family pictures, right? Put generic stuff up or put nothing up because people, again, want to see the houses there, right? They don't want to see the houses belonging to somebody else. So they want to deprive the house of any sort of personal association to the current owners. Is that what you're I saying? I wouldn't say deprived, but you, what you want to do is, again, for a lot of people walking into a house, some people have the ability to just see a space and imagine themselves in it, and other people need the visual cues so that they can figure it out how they're going to live in there, right? And so that's why we do staging. So we'll, you know, we'll uh, 
put different kinds of furniture in there. Maybe you've got a big table, a big dining room table that's oversized because it works for you. But if I'm on a solid property, I'll take out that oversized table and put in a regular size dining room table. Then it, makes, then it shows uh-huh. the dining room for what it is. When it comes to personal pictures and paint choices of the wall, yeah, you got to make it uh, a little more generic, right? So take down your personal pictures, put up uh, whatever you, other things or put nothing up, right? It's not a question of uh, depriving the seller. At the end of the day, you're selling a, a, your property. That's what you want to do. You want to sell it, right? And you want to get, obviously, um, you want to get the most money that you can. You know, uh, in a, in a, this is a tip. This is a piece of information that it may help some people here. In one of my properties that I sold, Faisal, I, um, you know, I, I took everything out of the house. It, it, the house looked beautiful when I sold it. And uh, for some reason, I forgot that at some point, somewhere in my closet, I had my bag with all my photograph, you know, uh, camera equipment. And it got stolen. <laughs> what do you say to people that want to leave some of their personal belongings in the house? Ah, I don't, don't want to move it. What do you say to that? I, I, I couldn't believe that something like that would happen in Oakville. But um, what do you say to people when it comes to personal belongings or valuable items? I absolutely tell them to take that, right? Because unfortunately, 99.9% of the people that's in this world are nice people, decent people, but there's a small percentage, right? Like, as unfortunate as you experienced. So, if you've got something that's valuable or sentimental and, you know, may not be necessarily a high value item, but it's sentimental and you don't want to break it or, you know, you can't replace it, pack it up nicely, take it out of the house, right? Because things happen. That, right? that People are walking. Is, uh, yeah, it will happen, folks. And uh, it's Murphy's Law. If something can go wrong, believe me, it will go wrong. So don't put yourself in harm's way for no reason. Uh, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to uh, the Greg Carrasco Show here. We're Canada's largest automotive radio show with my friend Ken Stapen. But uh, from time to time, my my personal realtor, uh, Faisal, comes on the show and gives us tips uh, as to how to, to perform better if you're buying or selling a house. And if, you, if you're looking at selling your house or buying a house, um, you can use somebody that I have used and that I trust. Uh, his phone number is 416-399-4227. And if you want to send him an email because you want to deal with someone that is going to give you no nonsense, it's info at micasaagent.com. Again, info at micasaagent.com. And uh, he's here on the show. Now, you know, we've been talking about the, the interior of the house quite a bit here but what about the exterior <laughs> what what are your thoughts on this what are some of the recommendations that you have because you know again some people have a mess and <laughs> mess is never a good word to use when it comes to staging a property that you're planning to sell no yeah obviously especially i mean especially now as we're going into the spring into spring weather and all the snows melted and people can see what's on your grass so yeah if you don't have the time or the inclination to do yourself spend a little bit of money get somebody to come in clean up your property, get rid of all the garbage, you know, give their lawn a good rake. Again, like we keep, I keep saying, people are, people are going to take one look at it and they're going to decide, is it a nice place or is it not a nice place? And if the place looks dirty, you've got that old kid's toys piled up in the corner, you've got that radial little metal shed that's ready to fall down if the wind blows too hard, those things take away from the value of your property. Get rid of it all, right? Get some flowers. Get rid of everything. Now, what are some of the, what are some of the common mistakes that people pay while they're preparing their houses for sale? Uh, a lot of mistakes that people make is that they don't spend time and effort on the small details, you know, or they're resistant to the suggestions of the stager. Like I, I've had lots of situations where, you know, the stagers come in and say, "Hey, your 
place is beautiful and the color scheme is great, but it's, we need to make it a little more neutral, so we're going to change some paint, you know, uh, paint a couple of walls or whatever. And people get very, very put off by that because they feel like it's a, it's a, it's a, a criticism of their a personal, personal attack. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a personal attack. It's just, you know, we're just trying to make it look as nice as possible, and we're trying to make it as, as appealing to as many people as possible, right? Um, yeah. So that's, yeah, it's not a personal attack. And again, you want to sell the property to somebody else who's going to live there. You're not going to live there hopefully in 60 days. So what, what does it matter, right? It doesn't really matter. It just is, is, is a lot of work and it's a pain in the butt. But, you know, why do realtors recommend, oh, you know, all this preparation? Because, you know, selling, you know, getting divorced, changing jobs and moving are the some of the leading causes for people that have heart, heart attacks will do to you. And uh, is, they are some of the most stressful moments in people's lives. And uh, why do realtors insist on recommending all of this preparation? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of stress on people. And, you know, when you're selling your house, you're not you. You're a different person. You know, you're not thinking straight. There are so many balls up in the air. And I think that it's important that people understand that, you know, that's why a competent real estate agent that cares is, is, a, is a crucial thing. But why do realtors recommend all of this preparation? Come down to very simple. We want to help you get the best price possible for your house. The only way you're going to do that is when, it's when the clients come walking through the house, they're, they're amazed by it, they fall in love with your house, and they want it. They have that very emotional attachment to your house. So that's what we're trying to, we want to make sure we, we get that. We get that, we capture that emotional attachment from prospective buyers so we can then serve you and give you the, get you the best money for your property. It's all about You know, just think you. of, yeah, it, you know, think of, uh, you know, all those demands that uh, the, the real estate agent and the stager are making on you. Uh, think of it as a date. You know, when, if you have a date, you don't go the way that you wake up on a Sunday morning you know, you, you, you have a shower, you shave, you dress up, you put your nice clothes on and, you know, you don't look this way always, <laughs> but you know, you, you try to put your best foot forward and hopefully something good happens. Uh, but, uh, with your house is the exact same. Uh, you know, people that are coming into your house are looking, they're, they're looking at, you know, they're going to date your house and eventually they're going to marry <laughs> that house and they're going to keep it in their lives for a very, very long time. So uh, I, I think that, not enough is put into uh, in, into thinking about how an addition, how a, a paint a color in a room is going to have an effect on that day when you may want to sell that property. Now, you know, we've been talking about the idea of staging the house and, and providing a, a better product to the consumer for the buyer and the seller. But, you know, let's talk about the, the, the actual real question here. Um, how much... Money. How much of a difference can staging, decluttering, and cleaning can make to the sale price of a house? Because I think that that's what a lot of people are thinking. You know, if I'm going to spend, you know, two, three thousand dollars on a stager and uh, a professional photographer and a videographer and to do all these things that we do to the house, uh, I'm going to spend money, you know, buying paint and, and, and getting, you know, some of the stuff fixed and, and so on and so on and so on. How much of a difference dollar wise this could make to the buying or selling of a property? It's hard to put an exact number on that, but I, it, it makes a big difference, obviously, because 
if we if you presented the house in the best way possible and you had a lot of people come through for the professional photographer makes a big difference because people look at online first right so they look at those pictures and the virtual uh-huh. tour and all that that makes a huge difference that attracts people to come see the house so we need to drive that traffic to the house uh Greg, I had an example uh, a couple of months ago where I sold a townhouse in Oakville where I did all the staging, I did the professional photographer, I got the virtual tour, and there was a house around the corner, almost, you know, not quite as nice, but almost the same, and they didn't do any of that. And that house is still not sold. It's three months later. They're never going to get what I, they're never going to get the money that I got for my client because it's just. Did you get over asking for that house that you sold? Yep. We did very well. We were the highest number in the in that neighborhood ever. Now you know it, it, that's interesting that you're talking about this because there is another side of the equation. You you know often you you may look at a house and it looks amazing in pictures, and then you go to the house and it's like, oh, that's not accurate. <laughs> you know you 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 have to be careful because I, you know I, I was looking at buying a property and. Um, uh, when when I looked at the pictures, I, I I fell in love with the house. But then when I got there, I thought, oh man, this is such a turnoff because it was a mess. Uh, and you know, again, that couldn't that have a counter effect on the value of your property? Yes, obviously. If if, uh, if you if you spend the money on a photographer and they they did their nice pictures because obviously they they post that those pictures, right? They they work them. And then when the people come to see the house and the house is not really represented of what the pictures look like, it makes a big difference. It, it, it could cost you 10, 15 percent uh, of the value of the house. If the way the house looks when you get there, like, you know, if it hasn't been vacuumed, if it hasn't been cleaned, if they haven't spent, spent the effort to, to even just sweep up the dirt in the mudroom, right? All those little things make a big difference. Uh, if you right now. if you're dealing with you know somebody that doesn't have a lot of disposable income and maybe fixing the house or you know it's not something that uh, is within the realm of possibilities, which it happens. Um, if if there was one thing that they could do to a property that would immediately have an effect on the value or the perceived value that would have in the marketplace, based on your experience, what do you think that would be? Yeah, if they can't spend a lot of money on repairs or replacing things, I mean, just painting, right? Mm-hmm. Painting the main areas, uh, painting the baseboards, the doors. Uh, that doesn't cost a lot of money. I mean, it's, it's not cheap, but it doesn't cost a lot of money to do a good paint job. And a good paint job really, really makes a big difference on the way a house is seen. And also, well, I can't clean, uh, right? <laughs> what's that? You get somebody to come clean the house before you... You, you know, you, you start showing the house, right? Oh, man. I, uh, uh, and that stuff stresses me out, Faisal. You know, when people don't clean their places, it's just crazy to me. You know, I, I've made it a habit not to have anything on my flat surfaces. So if there is a surface on my house, unless I intentionally put that there as a decoration... It's not on the flat surfaces. It drives me crazy when I see people in their houses. No one is going to invite me anymore. Well, no one invites me anywhere 
anyway. So <laughs> what's the difference? <laughs> uh, folks, you have been listening to my real estate agent, uh, somebody that I've known for the last 15 years or so. We've worked together in several different projects. And uh, uh, I trust Faisal with my uh, real estate needs. And uh, I think that you should as well. So if you are in the process of looking for someone that, um, to buy a house or to sell your house, um, this may not be a bad idea. So write his email down. His email is info at mikasaagent.com, info at mikasaagent.com, or you can call him at 416-399-4227. Again, 416-399-4227. And uh, the, the only reason why I decided to, to bring you on board, Faisal, is because I do believe that there are many of us that think that we have the world figured out, and that's not true. Uh, you know, dealing with finances like Money Mike does for us, uh, you know, every other week and dealing with real estate like you were starting to do for the last few weeks, Faisal. Um, you know, these are some of the most important decisions that we need to make when it comes to finances. Uh, you know, you know, my friend Luz Kieses, who was on the show earlier on today, he once says that uh, the most important financial decision of your life is who you marry. <laughs> but after that, you know, who you invest your money, you know exactly what I'm talking about, Faisal. So don't laugh. Uh, the, uh, then is where you invest your money, and also then is what you do with your real estate investments. And, and there, that right there could be the trifecta of uh, a life that is safe with, with sound financial decisions. And when you arm yourself with experts, like in this case, Faisal, and, and real estate and Money Mike when it comes to financial investments, you know, we are trying to plug in the holes. You know, we, we're trying to arm people with experts that they can go and trust and do business with. And they are all part of this um, network of people that bring, I bring here on the radio show that I have done business with and I can, I can testify. I can, I can give my testimony of what it is to do business with these folks. Uh, you know, Faisal, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. And uh, it, it, where can people find you? I know that I give you information all the time, but, but you know, it's good that you say it. Where can people find you? Email me at info at mikasaagent.com or call me at 416-399-4227. That is Faisal Baba, everyone, my real estate agent. Thank you so much, Faisal, for joining us this week. I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show. And uh, um, don't forget, folks, that the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And if you have anything to say about anything, you can still call us, 416-870-1050. And if you're calling from out of town, it's 1-855-591-6876 this month. Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, we have 0% financing available on all used cars, no payments for 90 days, plus you get a 30-day, 1,000-kilometer, no-questions-asked exchange policy. Come and see us. We'll be right back after the break. You are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show with my friend Ken Stapen and our producer Ben McClellan with his infamous music choices. Well, this morning we'll be talking one? about... No, no, no. no. Yeah, you've been good I'm today. Hey, I'm trying to, keep, yeah. trying to keep the train on the tracks today, boys. Uh, yeah, yeah, pay attention. It's getting there. <laughs> the last one was like, who was that anyways? Uh, that is Beck. Yeah, Dreams by Beck. Good tune. Yeah, I don't know who they are. 
Um, but anyways. <laughs> yeah, okay. One of the most iconic <laughs> British rock groups of the 2000s. No I, idea. I, truthful, I, I don't know who they are. Listen, you music snob. <laughs> I, I, don't, uh, <laughs> I don't know who they are. All right, you know, all right. Yeah. You're you gonna also beat me up, browbeat me with the Beatles. The Beatles hey, they're, suck. They're terrible. They're a, pr they're a pretty <laughs> big deal. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> uh, all the music snobs there saying, "What are you saying, Greg?" You know, we had some pretty, uh, you know, iconic people that died this week. Man, DMX is gone. What? What? <laughs> You know, Prince Phillips, that's not good. You know, they always come in three. Who do you think is next? Keith Richards? No, he's already been fossilized for the last 15 years. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a tough you week. It's been, it's been a tough week, to be honest. For Well, it's, I'm going to be honest. It's like neither affect me really directly. I'm not a huge DMX fan. I do know that he was a pretty big family man, and the videos have been surfacing this week of times they spent with his daughter and all that sort of, all the, you know, people paying homage. Um, yeah, and the royal monarchy, it's like, I think he was 99 years old, right? It was Prince Philip. So, yeah. he, so he lived a full life. Looking so he can't really worse feel... for wear, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't look very healthy for the last 10 years or so. No, but rest uh, in peace. But I wonder if... I... I wonder is uh, if um, what's Prince William? No, what's in it? What's Meghan Markle's uh, husband? Prince Harry. Prince Harry. I wonder if Harry and Markle are going to be allowed to go to the funeral. I don't think they should be allowed. They should be canceled. Be you know, they, they should be. Um, what's that? I wouldn't hate it if they didn't go. Wouldn't that be a message? Uh, uh, I guess they should also kick, be kicked out of the inheritance. They should remove the title of prince. You know, you can't walk around saying that you're a prince and then you just vilify your entire family in public television. It's just, it was a terrible thing to do. But, anyways, the uh, you know, before we went on the break, we were talking to Faisal about um, how important it is to stage your house and to maximize the amount of money that you get uh, whenever you are selling and uh, and hopefully minimize because it works both ways. Uh, you can use the terrible staging that a house can have for to pay less. And that's the whole point. But, you know, I was talking to Ken, and, uh, you know, Ken is renting right now. And I know that you live in Toronto, but you mentioned to me that for work, it's great to live in Toronto, but for buying houses, it's not particularly good. No, not um, not at all. I mean, the market's so expensive, right? I, I mean, for me, working right downtown, it's very convenient. It's like it's a shorter commute. Uh, my renting price is actually fairly low compared to average in the city, I think, for a similar size place. So I've been fortunate in that regard. But as far as the buying market, I mean, certainly Toronto is astronomically priced. I mean, even for the average size lot, a smaller size lot, you're going to be paying, you know, $1.2, $1.5 million. And moving outside the city, it would certainly be an option at some point. But that's, uh, I think I'll, that'll be something for a little bit later down the road. I do enjoy living in the city as well, being a young person, having all the options to, you know, go out and have a nice dinner at a restaurant or all those sorts of things that come with living right downtown, just the constant energy. But there certainly won't be any house buying in this area, at least in the near future for this guy. You know, it's such an interesting concept that what I just heard you talk about there, Ken, because what you described to me is like my definition of hell. <laughs> the 
constant noise, the constant energy, the constant people talking. I don't want to do that anymore. I've never That's been fair. a city person. I used to hate it, Greg. Um, I used to grow up in the I grew up in the country when I first moved to Toronto. I was like, what the hell is going on here? There's people walking around on the street at, you know, 4:30 in the morning, the sirens, the cars. But it's like I've grown to love it. To be honest, I've been downtown now for about the last seven or eight years. I love my area of the city. It's a little bit quieter just outside in the east end. So it's a little bit residential. We got the parks. You can walk to everything. Uh, I In the article earlier, I saw the gentleman mention that all the hipsters are riding bikes, which I resent because I ride my bike a lot of places <laughs> in the city. So it's faster than public transport. You don't have to worry about parking, and it's good exercise. So take that mr brent or whatever the hell that guy's name was who wrote that article that we were talking about earlier but you but, also yeah. have a caravan you know the uh the, that's true the that's also true of it, emasculation <laughs> you've been emasculated hey i got no problem driving the driving the van i'm gonna drive that thing into the ground it's good hey i, I don't mind it. it's been good to me it's been a good car i have no qualms with that thing but at uh, whatever point it does die, I'll certainly get something a little bit smaller, a little bit more fuel efficient, because it could be, we talk about yeah. parking, parallel parking that thing can be a little bit of a job. And most people don't even know how to parallel park, so that creates an added problem when you have a big hunk of metal around you that you need to squeeze in a spot downtown Toronto. Toronto yeah, is a be difficult place to park, man. It's horrendous. Yeah, whenever I go and see my, what's that? I said it's horrendous. Like, why, the reason that I ride my bike everywhere is because you could just lock it up outside. Don't have to think about it. It's when you're driving downtown. Half the battle is understanding where you're going to go to park your car. And then you have to pay, you know, ten dollars to leave it on the street for an hour. It's preposterous. Yeah, and you know, when uh, whenever I go and see my uh, my mental coach downtown Toronto, he is right smack in the middle of the city, in Queen and Dufferin. And uh, not only traffic is just terrible, terrible, and, you know, all that area in the underpass, but uh, whenever you get into, you know, the smaller streets and Dover Court in that area up there, is uh, um, if you're not paying attention, somebody's going to take a mirror out. <laughs> so it's there, not there's a lot of mirrors. To come back. There's a lot of mirrors missing on the side street near my house. Like, just because people just oh, take yeah, them out. And, you can uh, fit one car down the middle of the alleyway, and people are doing K-turns in there. It's a complete disaster. I'm actually surprised that I haven't lost a mirror yet. Knock on wood, I'm going to walk out there today, and my passenger what? side mirror is going to be missing. I was, uh, you know, I was there a, a few weeks back, and uh, when I came outside, the... Uh, the most cars today, most new cars today come with collapsible mirrors, and <laughs> the mirrors were just all folded out the other way. And uh, I could only imagine if you have statics or, you know, rigid structures on your mirrors, they, they must not last very long in downtown Toronto. But, I mean, you working and living in the city defines hell to me. I, uh, when, I, when I think of peace, when I think of a comfortable life, I, I think, think of, of a machete the in the and, forest. <laughs> you know, I, um, I, I, I'm making some life choices, and uh, um, you know, I call them money moves. But <laughs> you know, it is just life choices. And uh, I bought a piece of land, and you know, I, um, I'm going to hack my way into a trail, um, and uh, it is, it's unbelievably therapeutic to go and just, you know, hack your way with a machete in the forest and just, 
you know, carve a path for yourself. You know, I decided to call this, this trail the Man's Man Trail. It's an homage to a little guy that I adore. Um, and, um, yeah, we call it the Man's Man Trail. And, you know, over the last, you know, few days, I've been going up there and just hacking away at the forest. And it's, you know, you come out a better person when jujitsu is not a thing these days because, uh, the government is hell bent on not allowing people to exercise in, in ways that, uh, we come together as, as, as humans. Uh, so now we have the only other alternative. Go outside, go a forest, grab an axe and hack something down. <laughs> and, uh, it's been doing wonders for my, uh, for my state of mind, I guess. Yes, I've, you know, spend some quiet time, you know, in the forest and the birds, and it's amazing what it does to you. Um, but folks, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and uh, for the month of April at Oakville Nissan, we still have the My Choice Sales event, and uh, I repeated this many times last month, but I'll, you know, I'll bring it up, and just so you don't forget, um, you can get up to 2% reduction on your rate whenever you lease or finance something from Nissan. Uh, you can get up to $1,500 cash back if you choose not to finance. And you can get up to five years of prepay maintenance. It's your choice. And uh, we uh, we love when people have choices. So we give it to you. Um, you know, From that perspective alone, I think that it's also important for you to remember that you don't need to come out to the dealerships anymore because you can literally buy the vehicle online and at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, we deliver. So it doesn't matter where you are. You can go to our website. You can buy the car. All the used cars are pre-negotiated for you. So you're not going to pay any less if you go to the store. Look at what we have. Look at the pictures. You can buy now. We can do everything online for you so you never have to be exposed to anyone that you don't know. We deliver. We will take a small break and we'll be right back. Music choices are getting aggressive. Do you approve of that one? <laughs> You're listening to the Carrasco Show here on TSN 1050. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. And uh, we often talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, you know, we have a few minutes left until the end of the hour. So we normally just, you know, leave it for you, you know, just to talk about whatever we need to talk about. And, uh, I got to tell you, and, and I know that this is going to sound trivial, and you're probably not listening to the radio to listen to me complain about allergies, but man, I, they are hitting me hard. I'm popping you know, reactants as if they were Tic Tacs. You know, my liver is going to be shut. <laughs> it's going to be shut by the end of the month. I, um, I don't know how or why, but I'm not. I've been struggling for the last few days with, um, uh, with, with the allergy situation. Isn't that pretty um, common, you know, though? I, at this time of year, like it starts to get a little bit it, warmer. It is, but sort of on the cusp of blossoming, get a little bit of the hay fever going on. Is that the time of year for this? It is. We just forget, you know, it's just, you know, at some point I learned to live with this, but also um, you're the one walking you know, around so to funny. the woods with a machete, <laughs> just hacking stuff up and then, Oh dude, you should see my hands. My hands are, are a mess. I could see them right now. The other the day I chat. missed terrible radio. <laughs> the other but. day I missed a, a branch and uh, I whacked my hand. Look at this. You know, I, I have to be careful, man, because sometimes you go and you get in the zone when you go in a trance. <laughs> You're like, you're like Rambo. Know, Be careful with machetes. There is something the happening. Yeah, the, the, the forest is going to be all booby-trapped. So don't come out there <laughs> unannounced when I deactivate all, all the things. Watch out for that no, quicksand. Man, uh, no, there's no quicksand there, but... Uh, uh, the um, you, know, you made me lose my train of thought. What was I talking about? I, I forget now. 
Yeah, I'm sorry, man. We now we're talking. About, whenever you guys made me forget. Yeah, we were talking about your allergies. Is where we were. Uh, you know uh, what I was going to say is that when I was growing up in Chile, this it was not a thing. There was, I never had anything that remotely resembled something to do with an allergy. Um, in and when I came up here, I, I don't know if it's because of the humidity, uh, but uh, my. The, the lining of my nose, my eyes get all puffy, and it's just, I look like a mess. I'm a mess. And so I can, I can justify now that I'm older, so I'm getting, I'm just ugly normally. Never mind that, uh, you know, my buddy Derek last week gave me a cauliflower ear, so now my ears, the ugliness of my face is getting, you know, matched by my ears swelling up. It's a terrible look. Uh, but, uh, yeah, allergies are, are not a good thing. You know, uh, we started this morning talking about, um, you know, responsibilities, rights and responsibilities. And uh, I wanted to share something that just got posted on social media. And uh, it says this. And these are seven things that every kid, every kid needs to hear. So you ready for this, Ken? I want to yeah, enlighten you here. Enlighten me. Uh, number one, kids need to hear, I love you. Uh, number two. Kids need to hear, I'm, I'm proud of you. Number three, I'm sorry. You know, often parents screw up, and we screw up all the time. We don't know what we're doing, kids. You know, you, you, your parents pretend that they know what they're doing. No, they've never had a kid before your age at the time. So whatever they're doing right now to try to mitigate your life, to try to you know point you in the right direction, they are just guessing they're trying to use their common sense to give you some sort of direction uh, but they screw up all the time the other thing that uh, kids need to hear from us is um, I forgive you you know just like just like you and I can when we were kids we screwed up man we screwed up large yep. <laughs> I did I was always that kid that was walking the, the line that I could have <laughs> turned out to be somebody, somebody important or I could have ended up in jail. I was always walking the line, man, just scrapping out with everyone. It's, it was not, it, it was not, I gave my people a lot of headaches. Um, number five, I'm listening. You know, when you're with your kids, put your goddamn phone down, listen to your kids, listen to them. Number six, Communism has failed every time it was tried. I think the kids need to understand oh, goodness. how important it is that your kids know this. Communism has failed every time it was tried. And number seven, you've got what it takes. I, I, I thank Luz Kieses for posting this on his social media. Uh, you know, once again, I have to thank each and every one of you. I love everybody that listens to the show except two people. I don't love you too. You know who you are, so this is not for you. I love everyone that listens to the Carrasco show. Uh, I, I thank each and every one of all those dozens and dozens and dozens of customers that came from the radio show to purchase the vehicles at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity and put in your trust in my team in what we're trying to do here as a movement to you know do, to bring that transparency to the car industry I thank you for all and uh, I also want to thank my team the entire crew, sales, parts, service, accounting at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity uh, you guys kept the fort together, you, you guys 
you guys excel last month in a way that I never thought it was possible. I, I am a lucky person. I am the least important person in my entire organization. And I can tell you folks, before you buy anything, if you have an automotive need, you owe it to yourself to make it down to Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. Folks, we have something really special going on at this place. Everyone that works there is someone that I am so lucky to have by my side as part of my team. And I can't wait for somebody to come and ask me, Greg, who should I talk to that works for you? And I have to say, just pick. They are all amazing. So once again, before you make any car buying decisions, come and see me. I may not have the answer for you, but I may have the ability to steer you in the right direction. Whether it's Oakville Infinity or Oakville Nissan, at both places. There is something happening here at OakvilleNissan.com. Something's happening here.